One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast Thank you so much for tuning into A Dirtbag's Guide to Life on the Road. This is your host, Charles Ellsworth, and I am stoked to have you here. First, I want to apologize for this episode coming out a day late. I'm so sorry about that. I picked up some freelance work this past week and the week before, and I've been working kind of some crazy hours. Ended up getting two hours of sleep one night. It's just been kind of all over the place, and there was no way I was going to be able to keep my sanity and get this episode out on time. So I apologize, but I'm going to make it up to you because this episode is fucking rad. I interview my friends. Sekou, who's the singer of a metal band called Analemma. He plays bass in another band. He grew up here in Bed-Stuy in New York City, and we talk about how the neighborhood's changed, about what it was like being a black kid in a metal scene. Just a lot of really interesting stuff. Sekou and I have gotten along really well since, like, pretty much the day we met. He's kind of one of those people that, like, when something funny happens, and you know it's funny, but you can't really, like, laugh out loud. You, like, look over, and you make eye contact with Sekou, and you're both like, yeah, that shit was really funny, but I don't know. We have a similar sense of humor in that way, and I just really love the kid and I'm so stoked that he came on the podcast and we sat down and spoke for a few hours really got down into the nitty gritty of some stuff but mostly it's pretty lighthearted, and we have just a really great time so I hope you enjoy the episode I'm gonna let you get to it here really quickly first a word from our sponsor which is my patreon if you go to patreon.com forward slash Charles Ellsworth, you can sign up. You can sign up to become a patron for $3 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, whatever you think you can afford each month, and you don't mind going directly to me, helping me make this podcast happen, helping me pay for gas when I'm on the road, and make records, and all the things that I do. My patrons are a big part of what helps me make it all work each month, and so if you want to help me out and make this podcast make more sense in a financial sense, I love doing it, and I won't stop anytime soon but if you want to kind of help it to where it makes it easier for me to dedicate more time to it and you really enjoy the show you can go to patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth and sign up to throw in a few bucks each month it makes a huge difference for me and if we could get a chunk of the listeners of this show each month to come in and donate three to five dollars a month it would make such a big difference to me and to banjo and just making it all make more sense so please check out patreon.com forward slash charles ellsworth i've got some tour dates coming up i'm very very excited about there's quite a few of them so let me get started first off on july 1st i'll be at the catskill brewery in livingston manor new york on the 3rd of july i'll be in cambridge massachusetts at the middle east with our friends guyville on the 4th of july we'll be on the roof at lohi in brooklyn new york gonna be a party gonna be a lot of fun on the 6th of july i'll be at heaven can wait in manhattan on the 9th of july i'll be at Montrose Saloon, Chicago. On the 10th of July, I'll be at Alpine Bistro in Mankato, Minnesota. On the 14th of July, I'll be at Bozeman Hot Springs in Bozeman, Montana. The 15th, I'll be at the R Club in Billings, Montana. The 16th, Circle T Tap Room in Big Timber, Montana. The 17th, Lakeside on Hauser in Helena, Montana. Then I got a long drive all the way down to Sholo, Arizona at the shop on the 22nd with my friends Phil the Band. Then back up to Salt Lake City 
at the Urban Lounge supporting the ghost of Paul Revere. Be sure to get your tickets now. The 28th, I'll be in Laramie, Wyoming at the Roughed Up Duck. The 29th, I'll be in Lander, Wyoming at Tony's Pizza. The 31st, I'll be in Denver, Colorado at East Fax Tap. The 2nd, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Mercury Lounge supporting Sarah Shook and the Disarmers. If you're in Tulsa, come to that show because it's going to be fucking rad. And then the 4th, I'll be in St. Louis, Missouri at Platypus with Matt Woods working on getting some more shows to get me from st louis back to brooklyn so keep an ear to the ground about that or if you have any leads on places i should play between those two places shoot me an email or a message on instagram you can find me on instagram charles.smellsworth so please come out to a show i'd love to talk to you about the podcast or about music or about being a dirtbag whatever it is you want to talk about i'd love to meet you um it's going to be a really fun tour banjo and i are going to try and spend as much time outdoors as possible but there's going to be a lot of time in the van and you know a lot of just a lot of time traveling that's what we're looking forward to doing and it's going to be a lot of fun so please come join us out on the road if you'd like to support me and you're not in a position to spend any money or sign up at patreon do not worry there are ways you can do that for free the first way is just to subscribe to the podcast subscribe to my youtube channel or follow me on social media instagram facebook all of that stuff or Spotify. Find my name, Charles Ellsworth, and give me a follow. Also, one thing you can do is leave us a review in the Apple Podcast app. That is honestly the best bang for your buck. It's not going to be that difficult for you, and it makes a big difference to me. (laughs) So please, just leave us a review in the Apple Podcast app. God fucking damn it. So yeah, find me on the internet. Well, I can't seem to record this intro without one of my neighbors making a bunch of fucking noise, so I'm just going to go right to the episode. Enjoy. Yeah, he'll be quiet about it until he won't be, you know, until he'll be, like, whining and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be, like, I mean, luckily I got that mic, and it's, like, just it doesn't really just... pick up all the noise. I'm like, oh, I can finally record intros to the podcast in my bedroom and not worry if someone's doing dishes or, like, the street noise, because it'll be, like, kind of low, yeah. you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I've, that's like my new like on stage mic. I don't know why I didn't spend like good money on a mic I know, dude. years ago, I know. and it was only two hundred bucks. Like my SM58 that I've had for six years is like a hundred dollars. Yeah. Another yeah. hundred bucks, and like I played the show last weekend, and I was like, dude, my voice is so much clearer. It's like louder. It's ugh. that's amazing, dude. Yeah, I'm yeah. stoked about it. Hell yeah. Um, so man, what's what's going on? Seku. Uh, Usually I find a way to start this off, but uh, in the best way or, or like the best way to start off, I guess, is like, uh, how about you just, you know, tell tell us about yourself a little bit. <laughs> um, where to start? I mean, well, we'll eventually start at the beginning. So <laughs> we'll talk about your childhood and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. As um, much as you want to. But then like, but, you know, just like kind of introduce yourself and whatnot. Uh, my name's Sekou. Um I'm the front man of a band called Analemma. That's like my passion, I guess. I like bikes. I'm also in another band called Earthly Bodies coming soon. Uh, or I guess they're already out, but I just play bass in that band, but it's pretty late. Yeah, I don't know. I've known Chuck, what, Jesus Christ, six, seven Yeah, I think I now. met you, I mean, probably around the time I moved into this spot. So pretty, no, I remember when, years. when they were like, oh, this is Chuck. He's new. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. So, and it was April 1st was seven years in this apartment. So, so there you go. I've probably known you seven about years. seven years. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's wild is like, I'm like, man, I, uh, a lot of my guests are my friends. Yeah. You know? yeah and yeah. it's like, and it's just because a lot of my friends do cool shit. And that's, that's the bonus, I guess, of also living 
in I guess anywhere with a vibrant like vibrant art scene is like yeah pretty much if you're an artist usually everybody you know is involved in some way that's what honestly was cool about Chicago for me when I lived out there it's like as far as like art scene cool people music things like that out there I kind of didn't really miss a beat it was like I met cool people because I came there with cool people and Mm -hmm. then I was like, oh, I, I, I like found a metal scene super fast. And it's like, I didn't go to a bunch of shows, but I'm like, I had friends who were like in known Chicago bands. I'm like, how the fuck did I do that so fast? Yeah. You know? So it's definitely like any good city will have a good art scene kind of thing. Totally. And then it'll be fun to live in. And then you start to realize like that scene is uh, always smaller than than you think it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the New York City scene, there's like a lot of scenes and they there's all overlap and interlope and whatever. And it's uh it just like I say New York's not really a music city, it's an everything city. Yeah. You know, like there's certain towns like Austin, Texas, Nashville, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of another one. Memphis, you know, certain towns that are just like music cities. Yeah, that's like their whole thing. And uh, New York has a music scene, but it's also just like just by sheer number of people. Yeah, it's, I, so, many it's people. so funny because I'm like a lot of people from like other small towns and stuff. They're like, oh, man, I would hate to be where you guys are from. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, it's great. And also the worst thing for like a local band trying to get big. I'm like, yeah, because there's like. 10 fucking billion bands. Well, the, yeah, there's 10 shows going on every night that you have a show. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I played a show last night that was kind of last minute and it was very lightly attended. I would say, what I say is nobody got trampled to death <laughs> <laughs> at that show. <laughs> You're like, how was the show? Well, nobody got nobody trampled, got to, trampled death, to death. So I mean, that's a that's win. That's a positive. That's, that's a, a win. win. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, you know, no shade to anyone who's had tragedies happen at their shows. But, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like I also know like three other people that had a show last night on a Monday. Yeah, like you know, it's and, like, and in your head as a performer, you're like, all right, Monday, because no one's having a show on Monday, and it's yeah. like, nope, you're still competing. Yeah, you're still totally. Competing. Well, then they asked me to play it like a few weeks before the date, you know. And I was like, well, yeah, we'll play, but like, I don't. I'm not. Like, I don't know if anyone's gonna come. Yeah, it's know? like this. You is might want to ask a different band. Uh, <laughs> but they were like, no, no, no. We like we'll, we'll put some together. I think they just wanted something to fill up. Yeah. But yeah. Um, anyways, that's uh, beside the point. Or like, no, New York City is like got a wild scene. Just so, but so much is going on. Like sometimes I wish I could move to a smaller s- city and try and like hit the music scene really hard there. It because it go like if you do it right, it go faster. Yeah. Because there's less to compete with. You'll make friends more often than not with, like, the good bands out there quickly mm-hmm. and start getting on their types of shows. And then it just kind of goes from there. Totally. I just don't know how to do that here in the weird alt countries. It's, psychedelic you know, like, here. Your, your location is not bad for what you do, but it's, like, a lot weirder. Like, I thought it was weird for me in, like, a, like... Yeah, I do metal, but I'm like, I don't do the popular style of metal. I'm not doing hardcore, metalcore, uh-huh. deathcore. It's like we chose to do progressive metal. So it's like we're taking our little subsection and like, all right, even smaller. Yeah. But you, I think, is even smaller. Like, you You're know, in New York? of Just of like your brand and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Not that it's like not known or anything, but it's like it's definitely smaller. Yeah, it's just a, it's a weird cross section of like, I, I think in some ways I just don't like... I don't have a brand. I mean, I do, but like, I, I just don't like, I think my ADHD or whatever of just like doing 
having a million things going on at once um, kind of feeds into like, oh, it's just kind of this obscure, like Chuck just does things. Like, yeah. He like used to write country songs, but now he like play his bands like pretty psychedelic. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, what was it, co- right? Like you were born and raised in New York City, right? Yeah, yeah. I was born like pretty much here in Bedside. Um, my dad's house is like less than a mile from here. Mm-hmm. And like, that's pretty much where I live now. So it's like, he pretty much, you know, raised us up here. Got old, retired, and was like, "Hey, boys, hold down the house while I'm old." I'm like, "Okay, cool." That's a that's fucking sweet. So uh, I mean, there's a lot of shit in between that, but that's pretty much like point A to point B. Totally. Till now. Um, you know? Well, what was like what was bed style like when you were a kid? Oh, dude. So I have a really interesting take on all this because obviously, seeing it change changes how I see it versus like. You know, people who have come here at different points and different stages, been here at different times. It's like, mm-hmm. you guys have all seen it change, you know, five, six years, 10 yeah. years, you know, whatever. I'm like, I've been here 30 years. I've watched it change for 30 years, yeah. you know? Um, not 30 yet, turning 29, but still. Uh, but like, Bedside was like, it's so weird to say this. Because it's like, in my head, it's kind of cliche, but it's like, when you look at old Spike Lee movies, Do the Right Thing, so on and so forth, and you see like old New York, old Brooklyn, things like that, Mm -hmm. they're very accurate to the depiction of like, what's good about the communities and like coming up and, you know, strong, predominantly black neighborhoods. Um, And they, you know, a lot of the movies do show the truth of like the dark sides of the hood and stuff. But realistically, growing up, seeing the craziest shit I've ever seen when I was like too young to understand and like later hit me and like, whoa, that's what that was, mm-hmm. was like seeing crackheads, not just doing crack, but like crack files, just a ton of crack files, just like on the edges of the street, like, you know, swept onto the side from the street. And just like the sheer number of crackheads doing like crackhead behavior things, like breaking into your house, stealing your washing machine, mm-hmm. things like that. It's like, it's so much calmer now. Not yeah. to say that those people aren't still out there, but it's like, it was really like way more the Wild West. Yeah, totally. Like it was, the danger that people feel the city has now is not less or more, it's just completely different yeah. to the danger it was before, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you had, to, you, you had to like really be vigilant as a child walking to school because there's just violence in the streets, you yeah, know, like totally. gang violence was way more of a thing, like gang banging over colors and things like that. Crips and bloods and all that stuff. Once again, still out here. Yeah. But the level of like intensity back then when I was coming up was just way different. Yeah. Then like by the time I was in high school, it was like kind of more neutral, still, still bad, but like more bad for me. Cause I'm like a black kid from here and other black kids from here know that so it's like you know in a weird way and i never understood this the hood only attacks itself that is weird so as you see people coming into the neighborhoods you know from whatever different walks of life and stuff especially let's be honest if they're white generally the hood won't involve you in hood particular shit and violence Uh so oftentimes you kind of just move along and do whatever your own thing and i always thought it was weird because i'm like i remember the first I was like 13 when the first like white person moved on my block and I was like, whoa, this is weird. Like, wh- like how do they feel about living on this block? Cause I'm like, at this point I'm cool with all the, like the like blood affiliated or crip affiliated or whatever, you know, gang affiliated kids yeah. 
around you just my like neighborhood. Knew them all, but you just it's like, like I grew up here, so at a certain mm-hmm. point, they're like, "All right, he don't bang, whatever. He lives on the block." I'm like, "Yeah, bro, my parents are like, they'll kill me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm not succumbing to anybody's home situation, but it's like lucky for me, my parents were like very culturally sound and like taught me a lot of like my heritage and stuff mm-hmm. and just you know did everything they could to keep me and my siblings away from that lifestyle totally because it's literally all around me it's like, like one of the few choices some people in the neighborhood have you yeah it's like it's like oh you could do this this is a life like this is a community a life there's a support system you know i mean at least from my point of view i see i don't know you would know way more about i it mean yeah I but that is essentially what it was and it's like you know, I remember being a kid, being mad, like, oh, I want to, like, just spend my weekend in the neighborhood with the neighborhood kids. You know, when we're still young enough where no one's really doing anything crazy yet. So it's like, we're all just riding bikes and going mm-hmm. to the park and playing basketball. But then it's like, you know, you get a little older and it's like, I go to the park to play basketball and it's like, oh, shit. There's these kids that are trying to, like, jump me and my brothers or me and my friends or whatever. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Okay, this is what my parents are talking about. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's do all this African culture stuff now because I'm learning something and it's safer and just like, you know, I'm they raised me not to be about that life, so I'm not about that life, cool. you know? No, that's uh, good on your parents. And yeah. That's, uh, I mean, one of the things, I, I obviously love my parents a lot, but one of the things that, you know, I disagree on some of the ways I was raised, but the thing that I, I appreciate and I didn't at the time is kind of like the standard they held for me was, as far as like, just like, you don't half ass anything and then you don't like just get into trouble for the sake of getting into trouble. Yeah. Like, you got to have like goals and shit that you're working yeah. on and, yeah, yeah. and whatnot. And, and I think that's like something that really helped me, you know, get out of my hometown and just, and do more than, and not that there's anything wrong with staying there, but like the only thing that would have happened if I stayed there was like either like teen pregnancy or, uh, you know, like I'd have gotten someone pregnant at like 18 or 19, I guess, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. or like uh, just like a meth habit or pills <laughs> or something, you know, like it's it's just like there wasn't a whole lot of choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so I appreciate that about my folks for sure. Yeah. When you were like talking about doing African heritage stuff like that, what what sort of. So there was this program. They're still around. They're like a non for profit. I don't know where they came from, but a bunch of people I grew up with families also did the same thing like cousins of mine this and that there's a program called Ife Tayo um there's probably a longer name to it but I remember literally every Saturday from like 12 to maybe 15 just like without fail that's where we went and it was just like classes on Saturdays teaching us African culture African heritage we're from you know a bunch of different types of classes African drumming African dance um you know so just stuff like that cool. um and it was more of a community thing i think than like like it was what it was but it was also <clears throat> very much a community thing yeah and it's like and you were you guys weren't religious were you no it wasn't about religion or anything well, like and, that so that could because for a lot of people church is is community it, yeah you know? it is that and well so that okay kind of so similar to, to that say we're not religious my dad is like super religious but has also changed his religion like a ton of times in his life. So he's got, he's got, so faith, he's just, but he's not sure about like, which yeah, route which it's like, I used to get really confused about it. Cause it'd be like, when I was born, he was like devout, hard body Muslim. And 
I remember some of my earliest memories were like being at the mosque. I'm like four years old, like tiny, like my brain's just awakening, like, oh, what? There's stuff yeah. happening around me, you know? And I just remember being super small and I'm like, why are we all so well dressed? There's like uh, the most amount of dudes I've ever seen in my life and we're all praying on these tiny mats. And, I, and I'm hearing this guy like, you know, they're saying the prayers and stuff. And like, I remember being a kid being like, I don't understand this at all. But dude's voice is so fire. Like yeah. those guys, when they're like singing the prayers, it's mm-hmm. like it's really like it's a talent in my personal opinion. Oh, totally. So I just remember being that young and being like, oh, we're Muslim. And then by the time I'm like six or seven, I'm like, oh, I have dreads now. I'm like, wait, we're Ross's? Like, wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah. You know? And have then you ever talk to your dad about like what happened? No, or? like not. So I've loosely brought it up, but uh-huh. like. To be honest, me and my dad don't have super deep conversations and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, I've tried a couple times in my life, but like, you know, you get to the point where it's like, all right, dad's not the one, you know, you just, so I kind of. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm my stepdad like, and I bond over like fixing my alternator in my van. Not me and him like, like watching deep, basketball. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, and it's like, and I love the fact that I have anything with, with him. Because uh, I know people that don't. Like, they just don't connect with their father at all. No, me and my... So, it's weird. To say I don't connect with my dad would be wrong. It's like, he's not super, like... Like, he's just not a talker, you know? Yeah, okay. But it's like, we've had a ton of moments and things. Like, me and him bond over music. He's My dad is directly the reason why I do music. Oh, cool. And, like, why I do the music I do, specifically. Because, like, he raised us around like i said african drums and all that but just music in general and also my mom is like a huge fan of music she doesn't like play anything or anything like that but she's just like very musically versed like uh-huh. she you know she she was like um she was a young adult in the 90s you know like yeah. in brooklyn slash new york you know what yeah, she was dealing sure. with so yeah she was at the parties and all that stuff so it's i mean a lot of that music is still played at every party at yeah. every club you yeah. know what i mean that's like a lot of cool shit was going on, especially like just in this neighborhood. Then, oh like, yeah, that's the wild. It's thing ridiculous. To me. Um, you guys, your corner store, not this one, that one. Yeah, I forget the song. The but tribe called a, Quest. The tribe called Quest. Yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and there. Oh, the intro to it's filmed in there, I think too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, wild. So you know, it's like just that as an example. You live right on the corner from that. Yeah, and know? I mean, a few blocks away from where they filmed "Do the Right Thing," and it, I grew up. Well, not grew up on that corner, but my last house in New York was on that corner. Really, before yeah. you moved to before I moved to Chicago. I don't know if I ever made it to your house before you moved to Chicago over there. We threw one super lit barbecue that like half the house went to. Uh-huh. Patty was there. I don't know if Felix or John came. Whatever. A few a few of your crew came. But like literally small pockets of like between me, Dario, and my brother, we all have like different like friend groups and stuff. Everybody came. Oh, cool. I was like, oh, there's like fifty people in my four bedroom. This is over capacity. Yeah, this is a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. But um it was sick though. It was sick. That's cool. So uh that's so your parents are both super musical and Yeah, and that kind of like my dad would um he he owned and operated a like sign and awning business so like the corner store we would like build those signs that oh, was, that cool. was our main like nice. breadwinner i guess for the business is like corner store jobs but we did all types of sign jobs and stuff and um i just remember we'd be sitting in the van and he'd turn on whatever rock station and it's just like you know anything from you know you could go from beatles but i think that's a little light but just anything guitar related from beatles till 
through the 90s, 80s and stuff. Oh, cool. So I'm just like, you know, you got your Metallica, your Ozzy, your Black Sabbath, all the old stuff, all the new stuff, everything in between. And after a while, I was like, yo, this is dope. Like, yeah. I want to do stuff like this. Totally. So then around high school, I like, because of my high school friends, like, really started to focus more on guitar and, like, metal specifically. And uh, my dad saw that and just, like, brought me every Metallica CD ever and just, like, brought me tab books and was like, here, do the thing. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Dude, that's cool. Yeah, that's I mean, really not cool. to say it didn't come with lots of begging and asking, but um, he, you know, he still supported it. Yeah. Which I really appreciate and I look back on now because it's like, you know, a lot of my friends don't have that level of support from their parents. Mm-hmm. So it's like flaws are not that my dad has towards me or whatever it is. Um, he definitely like was a huge influence on like what I personally feel like is one of the most important things I do for myself. Yeah. So it's like got to give the man credit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I I used to think like oh my i grew up not i didn't discover good music until i was like 12 or 13 because that's when i found um like i don't know modest mouse and like like just really early stuff like my friend's brother started turning me on to um and like just non-top 40 stuff and my mom listened to some stuff while we were on the road and she loved music but i never thought she listened to like cool music and yeah. then now i look back and i'm like oh she was fucking listening to like bill withers and and bob seger <laughs> and and stuff that like tom petty and stuff that i'm like dude your mom fucking listened to some pretty cool fucking music yeah. foreigner like yeah 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 like, but i it, don't it think takes i like foreigner though. and then you realize like every song that you're like oh that's a dope song and you don't know who you're like but i don't know who played it it's, it's all foreigner, foreigner. Yeah. they have like every song's a fucking hit yeah it's yeah. insane no uh, that's awesome and so like it i gotta you know give credit to there and uh and the support is like so huge you know i mean it's necessary it never like happened it didn't always happen in the way you wanted it to especially when you're a kid and some of that is just parents just don't parents just don't understand (laughs) (laughs) he really dropped it (laughs) yeah no but uh yeah that it's just like I mean, my parents were like, oh, you, we want you to play music. We want you to learn piano. And then that's dope because you, you know. did like football and all that. So I'm like, I would have thought they would be more like do the the thing, you know, do the football, small town, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there was there was definitely an element to that. And they were very much like supportive of that and wanted me to excel in that. I was like really pushed in that direction. Uh, but I did piano lessons from the time I was a kid. We were like. And then once I quit piano, I picked up drums in the band or whatnot. And then uh-huh. that turned into guitar. And, um, you know, and like the, if they were like, you want to buy a guitar, you got to earn the money to buy the guitar yeah, yeah, type yeah. stuff. But yeah. like they were, they, you know, the only thing they, that I still am kind of bummed about is I had a drum set at one point and, and I was playing it a lot trying to practice and i just got like so much shit from my whole family about the noise oh, that i no. eventually just like was like i'm just not gonna play this anymore oh, like anytime i play it all you. they just would like someone yeah. would say something and it's like seven people in that family so like there's lots of people to say some shit you know? yeah that'll that'll do and it. like when you're bad at something it's like you're not gonna keep doing it i know if someone's not you know what I mean? So that was the one thing that I'm like, fuck. I no, wish I, that Because I really miss, I really wish I could play drums now. Right. You know, that's like, I watch people play drums, especially like Matt White. When he plays, it, it just like, it's just he's like, he's having so much yeah, fun. Just I know, like fucking I know, going I nuts. I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. It's crazy because like, I, my parents had me playing drums first. Obviously, like, 
you know, with doing African drums and stuff, they also just bought us a drum set in the house. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, my parents were like, yo, do music. That's like, awesome. Like, just do it. Like, it, w- it was never a thing that was discussed or asked for. It was there, like, from the time I thought about it, there was already instruments around me. So mm-hmm. I'm like, it was all drums, and I was like, no, nah, I want to, like, do guitars and stuff like that. But now I look back, and I'm like, you should have never dropped drums. Because I used to be able to play a drum set. Now I get in front of it, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I can do, like, a simple 4 4 Just the, beat, you know, the like regular so one. robotic. It's, yeah, just yeah. Like, it's like, it's like there's no cool feeling to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like fucking, uh. <laughs> It's like he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. It's like a monkey fucking a coconut. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's achieving it. It's just but not it's not, just not not exciting or fun. No, no. And it's like, I look back now, and it's like, especially like from doing metal, everyone who's in a band is some level of insane drummer. Yeah. And like my drummer and a few drummers I know particularly are like, every time I see them play, I'm like, bro, how do you even think about that? Yeah. But the joke is in our scene at least, is that every uh, metal drummer is kind of stupid and that's why they can <laughs> see that. You know, it's just a little bit. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'm no comment. I don't, it's, I, a, it's a metal, it's a metal meme thing. Is it really? There's, it's, there's I, no, I there's no actual proof to that, but I like, I just like that it exists. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. Especially cause it's like such technical drumming. And, yeah. And like, well, that's, that's why it's the joke. Cause they're just like, Oh there's no way your brain works normally for you to be able to do that. <laughs> you, like it works in a weird way that you can only focus on like that thing. But yep. any, I used to play drums with a dude that I won't, I won't name names. He was a really sweet, like nice person that like was a phenomenal drummer. Like one of the best drummers I've ever played with, but also like playing drums and then like doing ecstasy at raves were like his thing. You know, he wasn't like winning a science fair anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so I get that. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. understand why that that meme exists. You know, and we're, that's a broad stroke. It's not, a very broad stroke. You know? There's nothing I actually believe in. Yeah, but I like it. It's just funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. You know, it's funny. So around like high school, you started getting in. Your friends got into metal and started getting into guitar and whatnot. So I pretty much met like. Can you get that pipe for me too? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah, around high school. I pretty much met, well, I guess all three of my best friends <laughs> within like two years. Um, so I met my friend Rob, who lives in California now, um, and he's got like a wife and two kids. Like he did, he did the family thing, and like we're all the same age. And like me and Dario look at him, and we're like, "Bruh, you did it." It was a shock at first, but now it's like, "Nah, you're like you're Not doing the thing." Like man. I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, no, it's awesome." Anyway, I met I met Rob in like ninth grade and I used to listen to like, you know, more like my chem fallout boy related stuff. Okay, yeah. Um and like, you know, I saw Rob wearing like an Iron Maiden t shirt. I was like, I, I know that band, but I don't know that band. I was like, yo, what's that band? He goes, Oh, that's Iron Maiden. I was like, Yeah, I heard of them. He's like, Bro, you got an iPod? I'm like, Yeah. He goes, Bro, give me your iPod, I'm gonna put music on it. I'm like, all right, cool. Cause he he was like, Let me see what music you got. He heard it. He's like, This is fine, but like, let me put you on for real. So I was like, All right, cool. Give it to him, gives it back. Bro, it's just straight. Lamb of God, Maiden, Megadeth, Metallica, like, you know, Amonomarth, like a little Avenged Sevenfold, Alice in Chains, you know, mm-hmm. like just that that like encompassed my whole ninth grade summer. Give you like 30 years worth of. Yeah. Of like, it's just like, like he just like, it's like, you need to know this. He's yeah. like, you all right. If you like this, I got something you might like more. And he was fucking right. Yeah. <laughs> like hands down. He was right. He's at that point. It wouldn't have been 30 years. Cause it was like the mid 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, but yeah. But um, so what's funny is this 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 like relationship of music progressed throughout the year of ninth grade, and then at the end of the year he was like, "Bro, give me your iPod so you can have some music for the summer." I was like, "Bet." Gives it to me. Literally that same day I get home, my dad's like, "Yo, I'm sending you and your younger brother to Florida for the whole summer." I'm like, "Bro, don't do this." What? What did you do in Florida for this? My summer? aunt used to live down there. Okay. My mom was taking the rest of my siblings to Jamaica, and me and my younger brother didn't have passports, so we couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, reasonably so, my dad's like, "I don't want to deal with this." Yeah. I'm like, I, I look at, I looked at it then. I was like, "Bro, what the fuck?" Now I'm like. I would have did the same. Go, yeah. go. Your aunt misses you. Go ahead. Have fun. Totally. And it wasn't a terrible summer because I had that music. Nice. And Rock Band and Guitar Hero were out. So it was just like all of that culminated into like I came back and I was like, I'm a metalhead. This is what I'm fucking doing. The next year I meet fucking Dario. Uh-huh. Um, I guess I'll tell the story about me, how me and Dario. Please, met. Dario's the bass player in Analemma. In Analemma, yeah. And he's, also, like, he's a mutual friend of ours. But yeah, but anyone also like, listening might yeah. not know him. Yeah. He yeah, Dario, be, Dario's be my best friend, if point. you know me. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I'll tell the story, and then Dario will probably tell it too. <laughs> I'm coming into class one day, and I don't know why I was late, but I was late, and I had chemistry. Now, I sat next to Dario. Didn't know who he was, just remember seeing this big-ass Dominican kid. I'm like, <laughs> all right, stay away from that kid. <laughs> and I guess he had stitches I didn't notice, so like class is ending and I'm, like, going to pick up my bag, and I guess he raked his stitches. So Dario just looks at me and yells out, yo, I got stitches. You know how Dario looks when he yells. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, fuck. So I go, my bad, bro. And I just, like, look straight forward and just, like, dip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, my bad, and I just dip. Whatever. Later on, we have gym. Our gym is, like, three stories, but it's, like, a sub-gym. So, like, one story is, like, above ground. But then it goes down like two more stories. So it's like super high ceilings. I don't know why they did it like that. That's Whatever. Weird. It's also very huge. Like it's like that. the size of Square pretty much. Really? Yeah, it's like that big. So Dario's way on one corner playing badminton. I'm on the other side where all the basketball courts are playing basketball. The basketballs keep going into like his area and he has to stop the game. Keep rolling the ball over. I guess at some point a ball <laughs> goes over. Dario's pissed. So he kicks it. And he sends it. Like, it goes all the way up, almost hits the ceiling, and it's, like, coming down. Lo and behold, I'm not paying attention because I'm playing basketball. All I hear from that direction is, yo, watch out. I look up. Basketball just destroys me. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, man. We've all been that person, too. Like, at At least in gym at some point. Yeah. Or basketball practice or something. It's unavoidable. Tagged in the side of the head because you're not paying attention. I can picture it. Oh, my God. So I just, like, crumple. Like, I wasn't, like, fucked up, but it's just, like, you know, I was just, like, oh, shit, you know? Yeah. You know, Dario comes over, and, like, he like he's, like, yo, you all right? And goes to help me up. I see who it is. He helps me up. I'm, like, yeah, I'm straight, bro. And it's just, like, from there, we both just, like, we're, like, all right. <laughs> you know, that's it. We fucked each other up. I guess we got to be friends. And then Rob is, like, hey, I'm trying to start a band with this kid, Dario. Still, like, didn't remember Dario's name in my head, just knew the person. I'm like, all right, bet. We meet up at lunch. It's fucking Dario. Me and him just start laughing. Like, all right, this of is it. Of course it's of course this, it's of you. course it's fucking you. So uh and then it's like a television like episode. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and then from there that was pretty much it. You know, I met those kids, met my guitarist Antonio that same year, later in the year. Mm-hmm. But I didn't start doing music with him till 
right around the time I almost graduated high school. Mm-hmm. But I've pretty much been in bands with him since then. So like 10 years now. Like in some variation of what the band is, me and him have always been constant. You and Dario uh, or Antonio? Me and Antonio. Okay, gotcha. So um, that's like, uh, you know, those are my three best friends and I met them all in high school. <laughs> and I'm lucky to have been able to play music with them for so long, to be honest. That's that's awesome. I uh, I have some close friends that I played music with in high school, and uh, I kind of w- like wonder like what it would be like if we were still playing music together, you know? Because we were like, we were good for high school, but we I don't think we were we were great, you know? Yeah, it's like we d- even us like when we first started doing shows, I was probably like literally fresh out of high school, and I remember we weren't like the worst band I've ever seen, but. I compare us now. I'm like, oh, it was. Yeah. There was some work to be done. You I, know? Yeah, I was not good at things then. <laughs> <laughs> well, stage presence is also something you have to just learn, and yeah. the best way to learn is keep doing it. Like, totally. you're gonna feel weird, and then one day you won't feel weird, and then that day you'll start trying more shit. You know? Yeah. Because that was me. I didn't start doing vocals until. The second year of the band or something because mm-hmm. like our vocalist at the time was gonna leave he ended up not that's a long story um but for a while i was like why don't we get rob in the band because this was like a whole new band that i started with antonio that like started the band that became this band yada yada mm-hmm. um we're like why don't we get robin on guitar um so now it's like these are the two best guitarists i know antonio and rob playing guitar our vocalist is going to leave. So I was like, I'm not as good as either of y'all. And also, I want to see what that's like. You know? Yeah. Like, in the back of my head, I'm like, it'd be cool to be the front man. So when he was going to leave, I was like, I learned how to do, you know, like, scream harsh vocals, whatever you want to call it. And just went from there. And I remember my first couple shows, I was like, I wasn't nervous, but I wasn't doing anything extra. And now I'm at shows, and I'm like, I'm just having a ball. And the crowd, like, feels that. And yeah. then they're having a good time. I'm like, I'm literally, I don't give a shit. A little bit like yeah i'm just like i'm here doing the thing i love to do with my boys we sound great i'm grooving around i'm dancing i'm moving i'm doing my parts and like people get into it but it's like that took a long time to get to this point you know totally yeah that's uh that makes a lot of sense like i i was i was super awkward and and just like terrified performer for so long used to get too drunk to perform or like when i was the singer in my band in high school just i i carried i I think I thought about it too much and I cared too much in a way or not cared, but you know, to where it was like, I was in my head and it's hard to be like rock and roll. If you're thinking about shit, you know, you what know? was your flaw? What? Um, your ego wasn't supporting you. Oh. I'll say this. Yeah. Please expand on that. Cause I don't, I don't know what you, so mean. the first thing that I ever thought was cool about metal was like, you know, when I was growing up, I was still seeing like hair metal and like early nineties metal, like music videos and stuff because mm-hmm. like that was just that music just came out 10 years yeah 10 years ago you know has been out for like 10 15 years i'm young so it's like i still see all that and when i specifically when i used to see motley crew i'm like those dudes fuck yeah like <laughs> like every single one of them could be the front man of a fucking band by themselves but then as a group it's like they just come together and it's just like they don't give a shit we're the best we get all the girls like that whole energy and vibe like you know as corny as it is that should appeal to me when i was super young totally so by the time i finally started performing i'm like i'm realistic i know that that's not me that's not where i'm at but i'm like believe that about yourself before you get on stage and you'll probably have a better time on stage 
Yeah, I I agree with you. I think uh, um, that's something I try and do a lot these days, or or try and change my mindset of like when I was like the Motley Crue thing. I thought was like like dumb, and I thought no, like, I thought it was sick. I you know Van Halen, all that. I was just like, look at these guys. Yeah, hair metal was like I. There was like a moment where I listened to it a lot, but then, I mean, my my personality is just very much to my detriment in a way very much just like more meek and like not like braggadocious yeah for like wanting to avoid being cocky but it's also like it's taken me a long time to own the things i'm good at that's you know? it and to yeah. not, you know and it's like it's like you don't have to be a fucking asshole you don't have to be tommy lee like if you yeah you know, i probably wouldn't be don't actually don't actually be that guy yeah but like be that guy on stage or in the music video totally. or you know, whatever. Play that's, the part. Be the, yeah. be the fucking dude. Because it is a part. That's not who you really are. Exactly. And <laughs> I, know? that's the, also my name is fucking tied to what I do. And that's also kind of like a, uh, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, doing, I never really thought about that until you said it just now, but I guess I could see how being like a more solo focused artist where it's like your name and like everything about it is you where it's like, you know, with bands, not that it's not you, but it's like it's five to six people is the name of the thing. Yeah. You know, so it's like if one person's a dickhead, you kick them out, you know, yeah. and get someone who's not a dickhead. And that's pretty much how I see bands survive, um, you know, in the time of allegations. <laughs> yeah. Especially the problem or that's this is a different thing, but. The problem with solo musicians is that nobody kicks them out. So the ones that are dicks are just fucking They're dicks. They're just dicks, yeah. You know, and they never learn about it. And, they, yeah. you know, nobody checks them. And um, I'm sure I have that issue now playing with a band pretty consistently sometimes where it's like, I don't know. I, I have to check my ego in, in some ways of being like, no, this is like, this is now more of a democracy. You're, you yeah. don't make all the choices. You don't yeah, do yeah, all yeah. the You know what I mean? Like, you have to make sure everyone's on board. I guess I'm lucky in that. Not only have I been in bands, like, you know, for the last 10 years of my life, but also um, it's been mostly the same people. So it's like our democracy is sound, you know, uh -huh. like pretty much me and Tony just like we even without asking, we kind of already know what the person's going to say. So it's like when we come yeah. to each other with stuff, it's very easy to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like that. That makes sense. Let's do that. Or. No, that's kind of dumb. It's like, yeah, I, th I thought you would say it, but I had to like let you know, you know, totally. whatever it might be. Um, and you know, pretty much everyone in the band who's like we the the most important thing I think, like when you're doing bands, is you gotta like the people, yeah, and y'all gotta get along. And I know that's totally. like, it doesn't seem like that's gonna be a thing, but I'm like. You will come to hate this person. Yeah. So you, you have spend to, so much time together, and you it's spend a relationship. So much time in this like vulnerable place of like creating together. Yeah. And like in the studio, and yeah, you're one hundred percent right. And it's that. a relationship, so it's like just like any other relationship, you gotta really fuck with this person because like the longer it gets, the more it can, it gets better, but also you know so much shit that it's like I could pick this apart real fast, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, you know, when you, d it's like being in a relationship too, where like when you do get upset or whatnot, you got to learn, like, you don't just go for the fucking jugular because, like, yeah, dude. you know, because like you got to hopefully play shows with this person again or make more music with, you know, and it's, yeah. 
and you got to but you also got to like set boundaries and stand up for yourself and whatnot. It's a it's a weird dynamic. I feel like every band has their own rules of how their band works. More often than not, if the people have all been together a while, it's probably unspoken. Mm-hmm. But it's like even with us, we we know how to approach certain things like internally where it's like not I don't know, it doesn't create an argument, but you can still be like, "Hey, I didn't like this or this was kind of dumb or I just think this is a bad idea." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whether it be musical or booking shows or just, you know, whatever all the things that, you know, go with it. But um not every band has that. <laughs> no, it's uh yeah, it's a weird thing. It's a weird balance and a, a tough thing to learn and to but the fact that you've been in these bands for so long or in different bands but with the same people. Yeah, it's pretty much been like three dynamic. bands, but it's just been a constant of like the grouping, you mm-hmm. know, for like literally ten years or that's, something. You that's know, rad. so it's like I'm like, all right, cool. I you know. Yeah. I like I like what I'm doing. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um what was your first like shows like? What were the the scene like when you were first playing shows? Was this oh, in high school? Dude, so I hated the scene when I first got into it, cause it was a lot of kids that I didn't understand but liked the same music as me, and it was just like, a lot of the first shows I went to. Were shows I played like I had been to, the only real concerts I'd ever been to before I started playing shows was like the biggest show I went to was the first show I went to at like 14 Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, like I said, my sister was into like, you know, that Mike M and like, you know, all those types of bands. I can't even remember 90% of them. Oh, the Screamo stuff? Just that. older? Younger. Oh, okay. Like by like two years. So it's just like that just general vibe. Bless the Fall, you know. Oh, yeah. Bring me they the played horizon. in my high school. Really? Bless the I, fall. I know they're from I your set, area. I set up a show they played in my high school and, uh, and they like, tore up like no band was ever banned from playing at our school again but bless the fall was i mean that sounds about right they like tore up some a bunch of shit and like they thought they acted like they were you know it was like it's like i get that that's kind of your thing but like it's like bro this this is is a a fucking high school school, come on yeah that uh, sounds just like them too (laughs) yeah it was very much that (laughs) so it's just like that general vibe um and i wish i could remember all these bands names but whatever but I used to go to those shows with scary her. kids, scaring kids. That all was, of that, that was shit, bro. All Arizona of that shit. Band. <laughs> yeah, and like I was, it wasn't necessarily my taste, but I hadn't discovered like like what I call real metal, oh metal, whatever. Yeah. Um, but like you know, just the shit that I'm into now, and like mm-hmm. you know, more in that direction. And so my sister was younger, so when she wanted to go to shows, which was all the fucking time, my parents were like, "You can't go if no one takes you," and she'd beg me. At first, she would have to beg me, and after a while, I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm like, it's not something I dislike, you uh-huh. know? It's like, it's still fun to go to a show, even if I don't fully care for the music and stuff. So I would just go with her to shows, and like, then I started playing shows, and I actually got into the like local like metal scene and shit, mm-hmm. and it was terrible, bro. In, in what ways? Please. Expand. It's just like, I'm not trying to shit on any part of New York City, but a lot of the first shows I went to were in Staten Island. And Staten Island kids are fucking weird. Yeah, that's fair. And I'm that's claiming fair. that. Anybody who's got an issue with it, I don't care. I mean, anybody I've ever met that... I, well, I've never... I don't know if I've ever met someone who was from Staten Island and still lived in Staten Island. 
like and I know there's plenty of them, but I just haven't met them or we haven't talked about it. But all the people I know that are from Staten Island and left Staten Island would 100 percent agree with you. That's what I'm That's saying. That's all I'm saying is like everyone that I know that left Staten Island is like, yeah, that place is fucking weird. It's like, fucking what the weird. Fuck? It's fucking weird. I don't know what those people are. That's why they <laughs> often get overlooked in New York memes because yeah. they're fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, like that's where not all, but like where most of the fucking people with like Punisher stickers on their truck. Oh live, yeah, we already you know? know that's Blue Lives. Not all country. of them, but that's that's where the fucking cops that's live. yeah exactly. We, I call it Cop Island. I like that, yeah. <laughs> and it sucks because Wu Tang's from there. That's like I know what, what the, the fuck, fuck happened. <laughs> like, like I would put them in the top ten to twenty of anything that's ever happened in the United States. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like Wu-Tang's just the fucking shit. And Bro, like, you know, when I was younger, I just knew Wu-Tang was New York and I honestly didn't know they were from Staten until I was like, maybe like 19. And why not found out? I was so upset. Oh yeah. I thought they were from the Bronx for the longest I thought they time. were from anywhere else in New <laughs> yeah, York. Besides Cop Island. <laughs> And they're like, like, yeah, from Staten Island. I'm like, that's how you know I don't listen to this shit enough. Because what the fuck? <laughs> they definitely rep it. <laughs> yeah, they do. And they, I mean, and they're the fucking shit. And that's why I don't want to throw too much shade on Staten Island. Because, Look, they created one of, of the best things ever. Yeah. So, like, whatever. But, like, a lot of those shows were just, like, let's be honest. I'm a black kid, and this is my first, like, major exposure to, like, white kids. Uh-huh. And it was just like, oh. Oh, you were, like, definitely, like, stuck out probably in oh, that hella, scene. Oh, hella. Yeah. And then... Like I said, my band never did what was the popular music. So it took us a long time to have people like really recognize us musically. Mm -hmm. So for years, even like outside of the early days, but like first couple of years and stuff, just like, you know, playing a lot of shows where I, I didn't think we fully fit the bill. And if we got onto better shows, I think we would have got a following faster. But to be honest, I'm glad we did it how we did it just because it's like we just eventually forced our listeners to not be dumb. Mm -hmm. um, as far as listening to our music, because it's like it's more complex than a lot of the people we play with. I don't call it better or worse. It's just literally we try to write complicated music. It's progressive metal. It's, yeah, it's, it's just like it's very much its own thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like we doing this shit on purpose. So if it's off putting, I get it. Like I was never mad that people didn't like, you know, give us the same reaction because I always noticed each show there'd be a little more people, a little more people. So I'm like, yeah. we're gaining fans. It's just like. They got to figure out what the hell they're hearing first. Totally. Because it'd be like by the second or third show I saw like a new person, they'd be like bopping along like in yeah. the front dancing and shit. And I'm like, you figured it out. Yeah. You know? and it's just because it isn't going dum, 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 Yeah. Dum. You know? It's like, or, you know, like those natural things that we all will, like any human being on the planet will dance or move to. You're doing, you're you're breaking that completely down and starting from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Way, or like, you know? we'll take that and be like, all right, we used to have this bit. Um, we're trying to make a fall on your nuts riff or a fall on your nuts drum pattern. So essentially, you take whatever 4 4 basic, like, ch you know, a breakdown or a melody, whatever the fuck you want to do. And it's just like, we would play addition and subtraction. So it's like, it's in 4 4. All right. Next, the next repeat, 5 4, but then go back to 4 4. But then we'll do a turnaround of like 1 over 2 and then go back to 4 4. And it's just like, yeah. keep jumping around with it. And obviously, like, fuck with it so that. The, the scope of it is that in the full term of it, it never actually leaves 4-4. Four, four. But as you're listening, how we break it down, it's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. It's all yeah. over. But it's like once you gather the whole thing, it's like, oh, it was never that hard, which is um, we kind of got that from Meshuggah. Okay. That's kind of how they approach drums a lot. It's like 
it sounds like you're falling on your nuts, but if you look at the whole thing and listen to like, say for instance, just the ride on the drums, it's like everything about the drums will be crazy as shit, but the ride is constant uh-huh. the whole time. And you're like, if you're getting lost, listen to that, and yeah, you'll it's not get like the back metronome's in. changing. It's just the timing of the measures. Yeah, you know? and that's it. We're playing very inside baseball right now. Like yeah, after sorry, listeners I'm are sorry. like, no, 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 it's just funny because like, <laughs> like it's it is like people are like, what are you, what the fuck are you talking about? Some people are probably, uh, that it, the first time, uh, not the first time, like like I've been, we've been doing that with the band. Like we've got like a new song that's in like, like the choruses or the verses are in like. 10 4 or so you know like you know like and then and then it switches to like six well because it's like a six and a four but that's like one measure so it's like 10 4 or whatever yeah yeah yeah, and then but then like the the chorus is just six um and so yeah the and that's like kind of new i remember the first time i heard or like the national has a song called fake empire it's like the first song on their boxer album which is like I know the group, the, but the, I don't like listen to them. They're like huge. Um, no, no, I know. But like I, they like Boxer that record specifically. I heard ten plus years ago and was like, holy fuck! Like, yeah. And the, but there, there's this piano thing. It's just the opening of the record uh, on this song that for the long I was like, that's such a cool part. What is going on there? And I couldn't figure it out. And then finally, I sat down at a piano and like counted it. And I'm like, oh, one hand is doing like three, and the other hand's doing four. But they're meeting up at like the point at twelve. Yeah, you know, and that's where yeah. they, you know. But then it breaks off again, and they meet uh-huh, back and it up, comes back together. You know? Yeah, and it's like, and it's like, it's I I like doing stuff like that because for the people who don't get it but like it, they eventually figure it out. And I'm like, I just taught you a whole new level of like listening to music. So now you're probably gonna go discover some other bands or like artists that do weird shit like this that aren't even metal. Because I find mm-hmm. stuff like this all the time. Like I don't oh, know yeah. if you know Jacob Collier. I don't. But that man is out of his mind. Really? He does the most complicated stuff and makes it all sound beautiful and simple and easy. Oh, cool. And it's just like 10,000 tracks of layers and harmonies. And it's just like, he's just, he's he's crazy. That's I, awesome. do, I don't follow him super close, but every time What's I see any, Jacob Collier, Jacob Collier. Cool. anytime I see anything by him, I'm just impressed. Like, cool. even if I don't like it, I'm like, but I get what it took to do that. So what the hell, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you were saying about how some of the, you know, it took people a, a minute to kind of like really latch on to what you were doing and kind of figure it out. And then, um, and then you, you started gaining fans in that way. And uh, I had a point I was going to make, but I've, I lost my track of thought um, or my train of thought or whatever you want to call it. Don't worry, we'll edit it in post. I'm going to try and edit <laughs> this part out if I can find it. Uh, fuck, what was I saying? I had like a point to make there. Uh, Oh, wait, like a lot of times, a lot of my favorite music is like the first time I heard it, um, I was like, what the fuck, you know, or like you like I think in art when you're if you're doing something right, either people like it and that doesn't always mean you're doing something right. And it's all subjective. But like if someone has like a very like almost repulsed reaction or like to something, I think like that's probably a good thing. I like to say not a repulsed reaction. If when people take in your art or your music or whatever, it's just a visceral response. Yeah. Like any any visceral any response, visceral yeah. response. If it just made them feel something, you're doing exactly. your job. Exactly. Yeah. And like sometimes that might be a weird time signature that like just puts someone out of their comfort zone for a minute because they're like, "What is and going like, on?" Oh, I and feel and uneasy. people like know what's 
like let's face it, like some you can go to any open mic and see someone who's just bad. You know what I mean? Like who's just not good and like, yeah. like they probably just haven't put the time in. Not trying to be mean and I'm not you know what I mean? Like No, it's it, it's just how it bro, works. we've both been doing this forever. It, it is what it is. Yeah, you, you know? can just see people that are bad and that's one thing. And then there's another thing that like it's like, "Oh, this isn't bad. I just don't get it." You know what I mean? And there's a uh, and People are really good at spotting that, I feel like, you know, not everybody, but like at least naturally, like it's people usually spot someone who's like a fraud, you know, within it's some at some point, like they spot it. Yeah. Or they can just see it. It's like this person, I just they're not <laughs> they don't believe what they want me to believe. Yeah. You and know that, what I mean? Bro, that's the thing about lies. I'm not telling people to lie. Disclaimer. If you're gonna lie, you better believe it first. <laughs> One of the, the rules of the road. We have rules of the road for uh, is once it's a lie, it's always the truth. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and and I mean that started off as like the more unsavory things that would happen on tour, um, and then now it's just like oh well, it, like it's more of the David Bowie thing. It's like oh, one day he was the thin white Duke, and he wasn't Ziggy Stardust anymore, and like that could be considered like a lie or, or like not the truth or whatever. Yeah. And, but he, but that was who he was from that point forward until he was something else, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, you, you've got to believe it before anyone else is going to believe it. That's part of the that's ego thing. I've always with struggled with. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, like, as you, as you grew into playing more and more shows, like what is it, what does it look like as you progress through your twenties playing shows in New York city? Ooh, uh, interesting question um so i guess i would say i started playing shows like 19 or 20 i don't i don't remember mm -hmm. um probably 19 18 we were playing our first shows mm -hmm. um this my scene you know like the metal scene and stuff because new york is so big you can break down every scene into six like sub scenes right yeah so like there's I can't say a specific number, but I know there's multiple metal scenes, which is funny to think of. So I would claim the metalcore scene personally. And we're progressive band playing in the metalcore slash hardcore scene. But there's like old hardcore and new hardcore. Yeah, because old New York hardcore is very different. It's than not at all like what, going on what now. hardcore is now. Yeah. What, like what would Show Me the Body be considered? What type of music is that? <laughs> So I feel like there's a street answer and there's my answer. <laughs> um, on the streets, I believe they are claimed to be hardcore. I don't know to what, you know, like they're a newer band, obviously. But Yeah, that's what like that's my reference for like a newer, like heavier New York band. That's like yeah, kind but of they're big. even weird for like what they do, because their whole thing, which I think is really fucking genius. Like I kind of watch them from like 2016 to like where they are now mm -hmm. and you know even when i left um to live in chicago they came out there and played twice i saw them both times and it's like each time you know you see them get bigger and better and it's like it's really interesting because the way they the way I, the thing that i think they did the best to launch themselves out of new york was they had such a strong community i think it's called corpus or whatever you know they're like overall brand or logo or whatever it is but it's like it's them and like a billion underground rappers that are like you know relatively known around the city and stuff so all of their shows would be like 
them, maybe one other band with guitars, but then like six rappers. And it's like, oh. what is this? You know? Yeah. And it's like, that's what kind of like got me and Chris in, in the early days. And they just kind of like kept growing more. And I think through that, from just from just throwing um, from just throwing like six shows like that, they got noticed, started getting booked on, you know, shows that I think make more sense for them. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they played with, uh, uh, I know they've played with Jesus Peace, which is a very established hardcore band based out of Philly. Um, maybe they've played with Loathe, which is a, a newer band from the UK. New hardcore. I call all this shit new hardcore. So uh-huh. I guess what I would say is I would call Show Me the Body new hardcore on the streets. I think there's just a metal band. Yeah. <laughs> That's just me. Uh-huh. Cause it's like the reason I say that is like when when people have no concept of the differences and the nuances, yeah. it's way easier for me to say a metal band. I tell people I'm in a metal band. And yeah. then it's like, oh, I know metal. I'm like, once I gauge how much they know metal. I'm like, oh, I'm in a progressive metal band. And they're yeah. like, oh, okay, so you like these bands. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we try to do this thing. Totally. Versus like, you know, how do you even describe what the fuck Show Me The Body is? That's a metal band, you know? Like, yeah, totally. They, Especially to someone who's just like, is gonna like know like classic rock, metal, punk, pop, R&B. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. like rap. Like, <laughs> like they know like 10 genres, not like all the all the subgenres of uh of everything, you know. That's exactly why I just call them the metal band. Yeah. Because no, it's I... like, you know, there's the bass genres and then each bass genre I think has the branches and the webs and totally. the this and the that. I always thought hardcore kinda of sits in the middle of the metal and punk. Uh, that's what it is. You know, brand that like in like... my head, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like it's the birth of like what those two are doing mm-hmm. on you know on opposite ends of a similar spectrum and then it's like all right this is this new thing it's like yeah. you know you got a little bit of the guitar work but it's like it's the same i think early hardcore is more derivative of punk than yeah metal. i agree with that and then through the years there's just like you know the metal blends in and stuff but yeah. it, i think at its base it's, it's supposed to be based off of like punk and stuff. Yeah, I would always think like early New York uh hardcore bands as being more punk than metal. Yeah, but they're just now, heavy uh, punk bands. Yeah, totally. You know? But now in New York like band like Show Me the Body, I would consider I would call them more a metal band than a punk band for sure. Yeah, you know? Uh that's yeah. That's and really like I feel like people would disagree with that. It was like, no, nah, they're way more punk band. It was like I could see that argument too. So it's yeah, and it's all subjective. Like it's genres. Like, yeah, like let's not put pe- ourselves. I don't like being put in a box, so we don't have to put other people in a box. I don't like putting people in the box, but it's like. <laughs> well, after we just put people in, we boxes put so much people in boxes. <laughs> uh, um, uh, no, that's a. Uh, it, it's really, uh, um, or we kind of got off on a tangent. You were talking about how, like, you saw, saw like the scene change and how like cha- playing shows in New York City. So it was weird. There were different points where I felt like the New York scene specifically was at its strongest. Um, one of them was 20... Well, all right. I'll say there was a, a a two to three year period where New York City, like Metal or Hardcore or whatever scene, was like really strong. And funny enough, Philly coincides with this. Philly is mm-hmm. very important to the New York scene in, in what I call the recent golden era. Now... A lot of shows were fine. We had, you know, our few promoters who would throw on. Like, there were promoters who you knew if they booked the show, 
it was going to be heavy as fuck. Okay, so you got yeah. the kids who like to go to those shows. I, we never played those shows because like it was we're not dumb, they're not dumb. It was like we're heavy in our way, but it was like we're not heavy enough. You need straight deathcore bands, for yeah. that, you know. So it's like there were those shows, and you had like the metalcore bass shows. We played a lot of those shows and like make stronger shows, things like that. Now, at a certain point, I felt like the three promoters. I'm not gonna name any names or anything like that. But the three different companies that I knew did most of the booking or like people based around that mm -hmm. all just started booking better shows. And we all, I guess the scene started to grow up. So kids had more money to pay venues yeah. and things like that. Because it's like, you remember, we're going from an, an average age group of like 15 to like 20 mm -hmm. to like an average age group of like 18 to 22. So yeah. it's like. I got money to spend at the bar and things like that. So now venues like are willing to book us because they're going to make money and shit. You know, and it's like, yeah, because you and I both know the only way to make money at a show is like if you're making money off the booze. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like when kids were when kids were mostly just drinking 7-Eleven fucking beers in the parking lot versus like, dude, I'm just going to stay inside and drink at the bar because yeah. I'm an adult now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. And you're gonna spend like sixty bucks. Yeah, but it's like fuck it, you know, whatever. Oh well, yeah, that's what just how it's good. It's good is. for the venues. It's good for us, you know. Totally. So I think what happened is like around 2014 or whatever, we just started getting better venues, like consistently, like staying booking our shows and things like that because they're like, I'm actually gonna make money, you know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, no shade to any bands or anything like that, but I just feel like, a lot of the bands that stuck around got better like i'm my band is not the only band that got better so it's like all the bands that like stayed and like you know didn't break up because of whatever bullshit or you know life also happens people move away for college yeah. things like that you know a bunch a bunch of bands that existed when i first came out aren't around now for their own internal reasons that i have no idea what they are mm -hmm. but either way um i feel like the bands just got more solid the venues got better the crowd grew up so the shows got better <laughs> There was a point where one of my friends was like kind of managing my band and he was also booking shows. He threw three of the best fucking shows, in my opinion, in mm -hmm. New York at this at Sunnyvale. Oh, yeah. And then here's what happened. He found Sunnyvale, start, started booking shows there. Some other kid, not going to name him, <laughs> booked a show there. Let the bands go ape shit. Sunnyvale said no more metal shows. They do not allow metal shows anymore. Really? Yeah, but was before it that, fall? no. <laughs> Just kidding. But before that, he threw three of the best fucking shows there. Yeah. Now, around 2016, um, I guess I don't know how the connection started, but some of the bands from up here started playing down in Philly, just you know, touring and shit. Yeah, it makes got sense. cool with the bands down there. Some of those bands started coming up here. There became this brotherhood between like the New York City metalcore hardcore scene and the Philly scene. So like. Uh, this dude Dom Stone. I'm gonna name drop him because I love this man to yeah. death. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Dom Stone. He's a promoter out in Philly. He's also in a band called Freeze MF. I think the MF stands for motherfucker. Um, they're dope. Go check them out. Yeah, that's a free plug right there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Dom is like a really good booker out in Philly and he had this venue called Vultures and Lounge and he put together this festival called Fan Fest and it was a bunch of Philly, Jersey, and New York bands and it was just like, oh, it was the best summer and that shit started the summer and after that, every show that summer was just fucking amazing. Really? So like between 2015 summer 
2016 summer, and you know, in our own right, 2016 summer was yeah, that was insane. That was a lit summer, baby. It was a wild time. <laughs> um, and then 2017 summer, all super fucking lit, and just like I think Fan Fest really like locked in like just the love between the, the two cities and shit, and Jersey as well. And like the scenes grew, and it was great, and everything was beautiful. And then COVID fucking murked everything. Yeah. Yeah, COVID kind of fucked a lot of shit up. Yo, that shit hurt. That's an understatement. But <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's. But that's that's been like the growth of the scene. So like before COVID, I think I wasn't here to see, but like I would see, you know, friends shows and things like that. And I'm like, looks like the scene's still going strong. The bands mm-hmm. are just getting better. People are starting to get tours booked, yada, yada. Totally. And then um, everything died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh yeah, fuck COVID. I uh it's crazy. I just remember like week 2 being like, I wonder how long this is going to last. I wonder if I'm going to be able to do my tour this summer. Ooh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> my dear friend Charles. <laughs> uh, do you uh I do, I do want to like come back to like what you're doing with music now and whatnot, but I kind of want to go back to like pre-Chicago and like having grown up just in <laughs> like lived in Bedside pretty much your your whole life. Yeah. Um and then you moved to Chicago. Like what tell us about like why you moved to Chicago. What that experience was like like what it was like leaving your hometown, you know? Um so I would say I turned 23 in 2017. Is that the math or 24? Whatever age I was in 2017, <laughs> 24. I remember I turned 24, and I remember my birthday at 23 was the first time I thought to myself, yo, I might be a little depressed. Like, never had this thought a day in my life, you know, just whatever moods I had gone through before in high school and shit like that. I'm just like, I don't know, this is just life, like, whatever, just moving through it. But, yeah. you know, get a little wiser, learn about shit in the world. I'm like, I'm not trying to just self diagnose, but I'm like, I'd be sad about, like, everything, (laughs) you know? Like, and it's like, you know, I think uh, around that time, like, uh, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park killed himself. Mm -hmm. No one could see my air quotes. I just realized that. You don't think it was... uh... I don't know. It's just, I'm not getting into conspiracies on this. Okay. (laughs) But, yeah, he killed himself, and uh, I just remember, like, it was just like, holy shit, like, a real childhood hero of mine is like dead and I just like wept and I was like oh shit I'd be sad as fuck because yeah. it was like I re- I got some sad information that I like should have been sad about but like how that shit fucked me up I was like I think I'm like sad all the time and like this is a like is a, something a I can get yeah, this out so totally. I'm just like going for it mm-hmm. and then like shortly after that I had my first panic attack in life like sitting on the toilet chilling felt my body getting hot room getting smaller I'm like what the fuck is going on and I just like like I don't know it was oh, like fuck. it was fucking crazy so from that point through like the next year and the lifestyle that we lived working at Palms, you know, the yeah. stuff and all the other just, stuff. Just to party. Just the party yeah. doesn't help you mentally. It doesn't help you deal with depression. No, dude, sure. not at all. I, I mean, it helps you. No, it helps, helps you like, like mask move. and cope and yeah, move through it. Yeah, but like, or but not like, through it, but like, yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't help at it, all. For no. me, I mean, that's a big reason why I had to quit is because of the depression. Yeah, you know, I just seriously. got too sad. And it's yeah. like me when I'm not drunk, I never want to kill myself. But I get drunk enough and in the right mood and it's like, yeah, I kind of want to die. Yeah. And like 
fuck that. I don't want to be drunk and to make a fucking decision that's like, you know. Life ending. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, seriously. So it's like, you know, just the lifestyle throughout that whole year. I was just like, I was just like, I was advised to go on vacation. So I went to California to see my friend Rob. He hadn't had his baby yet. Mm-hmm. So me and Dario went out to Cali, saw Rob. And I was just like, when I was somewhere else, my brain was just like, yeah, none of that's fucking real, bro. You're here. And I just had the best time. And I was like, I need to get the fuck out of New York. Like, I didn't I didn't have it planned or formulated in my head, but it's like I kind of had the idea from there. That was summer of 2017. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Literally get back to New York and sometime shortly in the next like month or two, um, John Jonathan Rodriguez is like, hey, so New Palms is open in Chicago. I'm going to be the manager there. I want to bring you with me. I'm like, this is a lot for me to think about. Yeah. But I'm already in my head like, I kind of want to fucking do this. Yeah, like, totally. Because that, like, that, that half a thought I had in Cali of like, you know, I should probably just like be somewhere else for a bit. Uh-huh. Like, I was like, oh shit, an opportunity to fucking do that? Yeah, I'm probably going to jump on that. The main thing for me was the band. I knew I was going to fuck up the flow of the band. I was like, at first I was like going to quit, to be honest. And we at the time had just started tracking our like, you know, debut album and shit. And Tony's like, bro, me and you just spent the last year and a half writing this. It does not make sense for you not to record this and be in the band. I'm like, well, how are we going to do it? He's like, bro, we'll fucking fly you out. I'm like, all right, if you're committed, I'm committed. Yeah. So thank God for Tony for doing that because yeah. I was really going to quit. And he's like, don't be a fucking dummy. I'm like. I needed to hear. I that. remember having a conversation with you about you're like, dude, I don't, I think I'm, I think I have to quit my band. We had like a long conversation, yeah. about it. and I was like, dude, that's tough. Like, I, I, yeah, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't see how I could still do both. I'm glad that I didn't quit. Same, like, yeah, especially because like band breakups, man, that can be. I feel like that would have broke up the band because me yeah. even not being near the band like severely hindered the flow of like the momentum we had at the time, mm-hmm. which, you know, we got to get back through that now, but people are still excited to hear about us. They're like, every time I see anybody or talk to them online, they're like, yo, when's the next show? I'm like, yeah. bro, I, I promise you we're working on it right now. Actively. Nice. It's just like, I don't want to come back unprepared. We have, I can't say too much, but there's stuff. Cool. <laughs> cool. There's stuff. I don't have permission <laughs> to say what I want to say. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it sounds like what it is. There's new music coming, but that's like in the future, whatever. Yeah, no, um, it's not like set when it's happening or what. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. But we're we're far in the process. Hell yeah, cool. Um, in any case, uh, yeah. By that point, I was just like, yeah, you know, the band is my real issue because, in a weird way, I wasn't scared to leave my family. Uh huh. Because I've always had them. Yeah. And it's like, kids go away to college at 18. I'm 24. With yeah. a job. Like, I'm going with a guaranteed job. Yeah. I, I, I made a raise moving, you yeah. know? So oh, it's like... To a city that's, like, quite a bit cheaper. Yeah. You know? So it was like, like, my dad was... <laughs> I think he was concerned, but just didn't show it as much. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was just like... Oh, is that what you're thinking about doing? I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I'm not in school. I'm not in, like, a relationship and, you know, whatever. Like, 
So he was just like, oh, you know, if you think I'm like, I, I guess. OK, I guess that's a yes. My uh-huh. mom was like, you know, talk to me a few times about it. Like, you really want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I think I she's like, I think you should. But I want to make sure you want to do it because, like, you're going to be away from everything. And I was totally. like, I think I'm prepared for it. Uh huh. And then, uh, yeah. So by um, I want to say by February of 2018, we moved out there. It's all good. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I probably should have done that at the beginning of the recording. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so summer of 2018, you moved to Chicago? No, no. Winter of 2018. Oh, winter By February. Um, and it was it was weird at first. Like, not weird, bad, but just weird. Like, oh, shit. Like, this is a whole different place with different stuff and different people. Yeah. And all this stuff. All these new things to, like, learn about how and, the like, city works and, like, yeah, how and people it's like, work in the city. And then um, also it's just getting there and like opening the bars. So like, you know, they had us going to just all these like events and meeting all these people. And like I met more people in the first year of me living in Chicago than I think I've met in five years of living in New York. And this is all my bar years. So you would think like, oh, I've met all these people. But I'm like, nah, like I was meeting someone every fucking weekend. Yeah. (laughs) In some way, like, or throughout the week and things like that. And, like, when we first opened up, I would help John with, um, like, you know, the liquor. Just getting all that, like, bar type stuff together and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like, always meetings, always all this shit. So it was just, like, very hectic um, the first couple months. But cool, you know? Like, yeah. whole new place. Moved there in the dead of winter, so it was kind of rough going places the first month or so. Yeah. A lot of drinking. A lot mm-hmm. of... uh. A lot. So, you know what's weird? I feel like when you go away around like college ages to like wherever, you're going to do the same thing you've been doing, but with alcohol now. Like, yeah. Relatively, you know? Yeah, like, in some ways. You know, kind of college. Like, like, not, not to break it down so simply, but. It's like school and, uh, but you're schooling friends, but with booze. Yeah. Yeah. And just like new friends, new people, this yeah. and that, whatever. So, I feel like there's an excitement and like, you don't feel so much FOMO being, you know, like mid 20s mm-hmm. to move to a new city where it's like you're plugged into so much different things in New York and shit or not New York, but just wherever you're from. It's like you go to that new place. It's like, fuck, I miss everything immediately all the time. Yeah. You know, um, so if I'm being honest, it took me a solid like year before I like didn't ache for things about New York and stuff uh-huh. like that. Maybe not the full year, but by the end of that first year, I was like, nah, Chicago's home. I feel yeah. good here. You know, I'm cool. like, I have like an established setup thing. You know, I had a girlfriend, um, which obviously helps a fucking lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, it's nice to have someone around who likes you. Yeah. You just know? in general, <laughs> just in general. I mean, yeah, I, you should have people around you that like you, but well, I've, you know, yes. some people don't. But sometimes but, it's hard. Yeah, but uh, but you know, like especially because she uh, showed me a lot of the city that I not would have never seen, but just in very different ways. Some of it definitely would have never seen because she yeah. was like, "Hey, I'm from the South Side. You want to come see my neighborhood?" I'm like, "Yeah, show me the shit." Like, because yeah. I'm from the shit here. I want to see what totally. the shit's like out here. And she's like, "Yo, but it's dicey." And I'm like, ah, "I can't be that bad." And I go and I'm like. Oh fuck! It's worse. Really? It's like, like so. Not to over exaggerate, but certain levels of violence in Chicago are like how it was when I was a kid here, and it's just like that. Obviously, in the more like outskirt parts of like the hood and shit, but 
it's crazy. When it when you see it, it's like, damn, it's like really, really like that. Like what I like to tell people since I've been back, a lot of my hood friends are like, yo, yo, is it really like that out there? I'm like, I'll tell you this about Chicago. It's a beautiful city and I love it and it's an amazing place. Everything you've heard about it is real. It's just not like that all the time everywhere. Uh-huh. But it gets crazy. Yeah. I but I wasn't that. like in that shit all the time. It was like very sparingly were we ever around stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know? So Totally. When like your perspective of Chicago, I'm just trying to relate to like when I moved to New York City and I had lived in, you know, Pine Top and then Salt Lake City and then like you were used to just seeing crazy shit. You just see crazy shit in a city where there's this many people. Yeah, like yeah. You walk out your front door and there's a dude just pissing between two cars. And you're like, oh, it's 7 in the morning. And I saw like a dick <laughs> just walking out First my front door. First thing in the morning, yeah. And you, like, you make eye contact. You're like, fuck, dude. Oh, my God. I guess I'm going to go to work now. Like, what the fuck, you know? I and, saw a dick today. <laughs> yeah. oh, I really? was riding home and I just like was just staring off. And I just saw a guy by a payphone, and I don't know why I looked in his direction. And it was just a dick, and I'm just like, "Fuck!" He was, just, he just, was he like flashing someone? He was just pissing? peeing, I oh, guess. Okay. But yeah. it's just like, it was, yeah, it's it's a, just it's New real. York. <laughs> but that's like, yeah. So like in Chicago, you probably saw stuff like that too. But it's like I did. You, so what's funny is, like, Chicago is very good at masking. Okay. Chicago has areas so. I'll, I'll put it in more direct words. Chicago's way more segregated than New York. Believe that, yeah. Check this out. You guys live here. What's the building right across the street from y'all? Who lives in that building, you know? Like, you'll find on any corner in New York City, unless it's very specific neighborhoods and, like, in the center of that neighborhood, but even still, everybody lives everywhere. Um, I was on Tompkins. There was an Asian family, these yuppie white kids, all the hood dudes who are always in front of the liquor store mm-hmm. and then just like that restaurant on the corner. So just like everybody at the restaurant. It's like, and no one's concerned with what anyone's doing. It's just it's like, just like this is it. This is of human beings. Yeah, this yeah, is just, just like, normal. You yeah. know, this is just what it is, you know? And it's like out there, it's like, nah, the white people are in the white areas, the black people in the black areas, and the Spanish people are in the Spanish areas. And there's certain minglings. It's yeah. all party based though. There's certain clubs and hot spots and things like that where you get mixes and things like that, like a place like East Room, RIP. Um, or, you know, if you're like in the South Side or like not trying to go to the South Side, South Side, you go to Pilsen where it's like all the Spanish, black and white people, all young, cool people will be partying in Pilsen uh-huh. or like, you know, in like Wicker or like fucking Bucktown or just, or, there's areas where people all meet up, but everyone lives where they live. Yeah, the the like, yeah, that that's the vibe I've gotten from Chicago. There's certain cities that are like that. Like Boston is like, so it's segregated. like, just like the mix you get here in the middle of the day, you'll never get in Chicago. You only get that mix at events and mm-hmm. things like that. That's interesting. So it's like, and it's funny too. Um, I guess I quickly stopped noticing it when I lived in Chicago, just cause it was like, these are my surroundings now adapt, survive, blah, blah, blah. But when I got back to Brooklyn, I was like, holy shit, I haven't seen this level of like intermingling all the time since I left. And I didn't realize it mm-hmm. until I got back. And I was like, oh, fuck, New York is a weird place compared to America. Yeah, I'll, I notice things like that all the time when I'm on tour. I'm, and I'm just like, oh, man, there's just a lot of white people at this Walmart. You know, <laughs> you know where, like wherever I'm at, you're just like. Whoa, like, and I, and that was like my reality for 
for a lot a lot of my life and not to say that there weren't like like people of color in where I, where I lived but like the segregation was real like yeah. super real yeah Even, yeah yeah you know like growing up there's yeah the well and, like the reservation is like at the other end of town mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's just like i don't know it it is it's something you don't think about you move until to new york and then you're just like oh it's every everywhere i look is just all different types of people you walk down the block and you hear like four languages that aren't english yeah yeah you know? see and so what i'll what i'll give some slight credit to anyone who moves to new york um is that it's a culture shock so if you can adapt quickly to that culture shock like let's just be honest no i was gonna say if you're white it's a culture shock but i'm like no because if you're some from some small black town you probably haven't seen that much white people either Mm -hmm. in the same way you know um so it's just like if you're not from a place that's like this which i don't think there's a whole lot consistently um it's it's a lot to take in yeah well and like where else would uh i mean we could talk about like just obviously the history of america and whatnot like where else would this kind of mingling happen on the planet as far as a city that's like this massive with this many different cultures and everyone just like living literally on top of each other like it's like yeah there's other cities like that but it's like it's to this, and it's to the a scope. bunch of mostly white people, and then like I mean, like refugees, and obviously like you know. I think, I, but I get what you're saying because like just the scope of how New York does the melting pot is like no one does it on this level. Yeah, it's not that places don't do it. It's not just that Paris like, doesn't have like diverse culture and diff- you know what I mean. No, that's what I'm saying. People, like every like, every place has their own level of it, and there are places that like you know, on paper you could say do it the same as New York, but I'm like. I don't know what the number of millions of people there are here, but it's like that number is not at that place. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's too much here, you know? Yeah. It's in a sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I I love it. And I, I, I'm also like, I kind of go back and forth between, you know, I want to stay here forever. I don't know how I'd afford it and how I'd make it happen. And then, uh, other than like living here with four people forever, you know, you know, like just, Be like in my sixties, hearing fucking Chris yell "you're" down the hall, <laughs> just like fuck. Nah, dude, that's something I started thinking about more recently too. And it's like, you know, I'm very lucky that my dad owns like the house. You yeah. know, like it's his fucking house, and so hopefully, eventually, one day, it's my house legally mm-hmm. and shit. But it's like, even right now, it's like when I came back to New York, it was still during a uh, big stimmy time. Shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks, so like, thanks yeah. Trump and Biden for the Thanks the Trump cash. and Biden for the yeah. little bit of cash. Um, so like, yeah, I could have gotten an apartment and I would have been fine until the STEMI ran out. And it's like, you know, my brother's like, yo, I need you to help me like take care of the house. And it's like a big ass house. There's shit we got to fix. It's like not a new house. It's all, mm-hmm. all this shit. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it. And he's like, bro, we got to pay the bills. But like the bills are less than rent and bills. And I'm like, that's true. So I'm just like, I'm paying into something that's going to benefit me for the rest of my life, hopefully. Yeah. Versus like nothing wrong with renting and stuff. But I'm like, I would think way harder about getting out of this city if I didn't have something like concrete. Literally. Well, if I was paying 800 to $1,000, $1,200 a month for a bedroom, I, I, I would be like, nah, nah I, I don't want to do it. Yeah. It's like, know. especially because like, 
I mean, I'm sure it's that expensive in Nashville or Austin or somewhere. And not, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to live there, but like in Nashville, I could get a job as a songwriter. Someone just like, hey, here's this yeah. much money a year. We own half of whatever you write. And, you know, like there's not many that used to exist in New York City. That was like or back way back in the day. That was like where songs were written was here. Yeah. And now that's all mostly in Nashville. But um, but anyways, like I could find that niche more than than here, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I Um, mean, it's um, it's similar. I I just listened to when you had Chris on like uh a week ago. And, like, he was saying, you know, he's trying to get out the city and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because one thing you guys spoke about that I was like, it's so fucking real. It's a trap. The grind is a trap. Mm-hmm. It's like, I live in New York. It's like, you're a slave to New York, bro. I, I'm a, <laughs> I'm definitely, like, some of the thing. one of the things that's kept me here this long on the low points of, like, wanting to leave is, like, yeah, where, where the fuck else are you going to go? And like in a way, and it's like, and it sounds super looking down on everywhere else. And it kind of is that in a fucked up way. And I, and I realize how fucked up that is, but it's fucked up because like, I'm kind of miserable half the fucking year just so I can say I live in New York fucking city. Yeah. There's no way to live. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you yes. only get so many days on this fucking planet. Seriously, I listened to a podcast like- once with. Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, <laughs> got a full name drop. I love got it. it. You, got you can't it. just Bill Nye. No, it's Bill yeah. Nye, the science yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> not Bill Nye, the actor or whatever, the British dude. That's, <laughs> uh, But he said something about, um, like, you, if you live 70 years or something, and, like, the average lifespan is 70 years, um, or I can't remember the exact math. Obviously, he's he's the science guy, so his math was on point. Uh, but he's like, that's like fifty or sixty thousand days. That's a that's a that's a lot of days. But that's a um, that's a football stadium. Like all the seats in that, and you know, and every day is one of those seats. Oof. And you know, you know so it's like it's a lot of days. Oh. But it's like you can see that. Ooh, you know what I mean? And then that's and, so crazy. And then you think about that and you're like, and half the year I, I wake up and like, and the first thing I think is like, hi, Banjo, I love you. You're so cute. And the next thing I think is why the fuck do I live in New York City? Uh, you know? Yeah, and, uh, and then like, I don't know. And then I start trying to deal with my depression in a healthy way. And it, it you know, like I, I do like it here, but yeah, it, it's yeah, just yeah. like, that's the thing that kind of fucks with me. Like we were talking about the trap thing. Yeah. And it's like, so in, as far as like the whole winter thing, winter I just think is the worst thing, and it it hardens you as a person. Yeah. To survive half of your year, just like I was having a conversation with I don't remember who, but I was at like one of my like side jobs, and it was like this young kid, and I'm like, "Do you guys know why you're sad in the winter?" And they're like, "No," because I'm like, "We're like smoking blunts and shit," and I'm like, just getting all philosophical. I'm mm-hmm. like, "I'm the old man." Yeah. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm 29. Welcome to what I've always been for you. I know, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think about that, too. You're like, man, Chuck makes so much more sense. Yo, that grumpy motherfucker. <laughs> I just go on my little rambles. And I'm like, yeah, I'm channeling my boy Chuck. Um, <laughs> no, but they're like, oh, yeah, yo, I just hate winter. I'm like, you're physically sadder because you're not in the sun as much because you cannot be. The sun is out less. Yeah. So you're not getting vitamin D, which is like 
the anti-depression. <laughs> yeah, totally. And they're like, wait, seriously? I'm like, it's science. I'm saying it in a dickhead way, but that's actual science. <laughs> yeah, for real. And then you then you start realizing, especially as I get older, is like, oh, like, and then exercising. Oh, that's a great way you to got, make yourself you gotta feel better. Mm-hmm. You got to you know? do it. And I like, just started getting into exercise this year. It's you, you just like, every time I leave, I when I walk into the gym, I hate everything that led me to that moment. When I leave the gym, I'm just like, Hell yeah. This is kind of dope. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's a uh, dude. It's, it's wild. Like that all the shit that everybody's always told me for the most part is true. It's just true. You know? they, I mean like, and that's a, it just in the like, yeah, if you make your bed every morning, you're going to feel dude, better. The rest I make of the day. my bed now. All if types you, of if stuff If you exercise, like you're going to feel better and your body's going to like not hurt and you're going to be less prone to injury and you're going to be less depressed. If you, you know what I mean? And like if you take vitamin D in the winter and you know, like all that stuff, all these things that like, I don't know, you, you're, you just don't take things seriously. People tell you shit, you know, Hey, whatever. Fucking, I know, I know the I hubris know of youth, you know, and yeah, then yeah, now, yeah, dude, like, as I get older, I liter- I'm just I turning into my stepdad. It's like, I don't drink. I fucking exercise. I make my bed. You know, like I, I like I'm trying to be like a. I'm not as rigid as he is, but it's just kind of funny. I'm like, uh, like when I was a kid, I was like, I love oh. you, Dad, but you're kind of a fucking nerd. Yeah, and then I'll now never I'm like, like you. yeah, I'm just a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's like, you know, it's just like I remember being all of my years up to like 25 or whatever. Just like my mom would be like. Oh, Seiko, you really shouldn't drink so much. I know you work in the bar and it's all fun, this and that. But, like, you shouldn't drink. It's going to start to hurt. It's going to start to hurt. And even my bar friends are like, bro, hangovers are way worse the older you get. Yeah. 20 to 23, never. Like, I've blacked out and just woke up. And I'm just like, I can run a fucking marathon oh, yeah. right now. Oh, like, man, I'm just like, days. it's just like, oh, yeah, I'd, whatever. I'd, you like, know? get wasted be up all night like hooking up with someone and get like three hours of sleep and then go landscape in the sun for like 12 hours and just be like fine. what the fuck and you just know? be fine. like be kind of groggy and stuff like that and but be like, like and take a nap at lunch but you're just like still fucking you're up it. you're doing it like, dude i remember my first hangover was sometime summer of me turning 23 like the first one where i was like oh no 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 i don't like this i don't like this and like you know a normal aggressive drinking night but that was the first time, and I like I remember I woke up and it was like middle of August, muggy out, uh, and it's just like I didn't have shit to do. Thank God it was like a Sunday. It, bro, I I, cl- I probably closed palms or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's be real. Yeah. It's, it was probably well, one Saturday of those. nights were always like you just feel the shittiest on Sunday morning because you you got your ass kicked at the bar like from customers and you probably drank a lot. Yeah, and then like, you probably while went you were to, working and when you got off. Oh, you know we went to Canal. <laughs> you bro. go to Canal Come Bar, on. they lock you in. The, yeah, it's like and you go home as the sun's coming up and you're like, Jesus, why did I do that? And I just remember waking up that day and like immediately had to throw up. Oh. Throbbing headache. Like like it was like one of those like, oh shit, I can't get out of bed. Now I thought that was the worst it could get. But I was fine in about two, three hours after that. Mm-hmm. 26 is when the hangovers became like like hangovers. Like now when I drink, I'm like, no, no, no. There's limits. There's yeah. water. There's like there's rules to this shit now, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's um, something I just never was like as good at is like like once I had a few drinks, like fuck water, you know, and not really that. It's just like just forget. You just forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, it's. There's rules. That doesn't mean I'm I'm like good at, yeah. you know. Well, let's face it. Like once you've had three drinks, you just start to like 
You're just and drinking. You just now. become yeah, and and then like progressively forget shit and become just more of a. You might be having tons of fun, but like from the outside perspective, or your bartender who's sober might be sober. The bar sober bartenders. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of them in the Little city. Boring They're ass just bar like, my <laughs> yeah, just it's just kind of funny. I don't know. Yeah. Um, tangent. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. I, we're uh, trying to think of how to where to tie it all in. When you're so like. I remember talking to you before you moved to Chicago and being like, yeah, you should definitely go. Like, I remember telling John this as well. Like, it's very important to leave where you're from. Yeah. And I, I still to this day, I'm, I don't rem- I don't think going to college was a great idea for me. Like now I'm just in a bunch of debt and I mm-hmm. don't really use, like I learned all that shit on YouTube. Um, but moving to Salt Lake City and not, staying in my hometown or moving somewhere where I would have just hung out with all the same kids from high school in like a- at ASU or in Phoenix or something like that was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Like I, honestly, I'll, I'll say that probably till the day I die that like one of the best decisions I ever made was like leaving where I'm from and going somewhere where I didn't really know anyone. I think everybody should do that. It shouldn't. The problem is, is that in America, the idea of that only comes through the scope of, I got to go to college and yeah. a lot of kids want to go away. For that same reason, they don't know that their their body's kind of screaming out to them like, "Yo, go see some other shit." Yeah. Because I knew for a fact I didn't want to go to college. I never gave myself the mental opportunity to be like, "Yo, you could still just go do something somewhere." Or even like, I wish I traveled more before I moved to Chicago, because um, then I wouldn't have necessarily felt so much like, "Yo, I need to just completely uproot and go like live a different life." Mm-hmm. But either way, I'm like. Looking back, I'm super glad I did that. I'm like, it kind of rounded out a lot of what I felt. Like, I have other things I deal with now as a person, but the person I was before I left for Chicago, like, I rounded out a lot of my issues with myself from yeah. that, like, being back now. And I'm like, you did what you wanted to do, you know? Yeah. You, you set out with certain goals for yourself, you know, like, mentally, spiritually, however, you know, and, like, I feel like I accomplished most of my goals for like what I wanted to get out of Chicago. And also I'm like, unexpectedly, I really fucking love Chicago. And it's a place I would love to go to a million more times in my life. Yeah. Like I, like I, I created what I had here there for Mm -hmm. me, like to work for me. So it's like, I have friends and like, it's like, if I'm in Chicago, there's like 20 people who immediately want to see me, you know? Yeah. And that's fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I can, I can totally relate that. I kind of got that feeling, got addicted to that feeling touring with my first band um, in a way of just like, I just get to go around and see all these people that I like know and like. And then, yeah, and like, and then those people ended up being more and more and they're in all different cities and whatnot. And I, I obviously haven't lived there and I don't have that kind of network like yeah, you do yeah, in yeah. Chicago. But, but that is, I mean, why I still go, like, we're, I was thinking of a name for my solo tour mm-hmm. next month. Uh, I think I'm going to call it the dumbest some bitch on earth tour. I love that. Uh, because like, why am I still fucking like gas prices are fucking insane. What the fuck what am I doing? You know what I mean? And it's like, like I you have my reasons post. for it and I love it. And I like it. And I, and I, there's nothing else I'd rather do. And I'm, I'm like, it's going to be fucking awesome. It's going to be great. But I do also feel like the dumbest fucking asshole on the planet because, like, I can just go fucking get a job somewhere. 
and work way less hard and make way more money, you know? Yeah, dude. You do it because you love it, though. Yeah, I love it so much. And it's like, and things are kind of clicking in a way the past year. I mean, we talk about that stimmy, like, money. Like, I, I just tried to be really good about paying off debt and saving that and, like, telling myself, okay, I'm going to try and roll this into, like, full-time music slash, like, random jobs yeah. work. And, and it's, in a way, that whole leap in the net will appear has, like, really um, come true. And it's it, it's cool to, like, the past few tours, people have just been, like, fucking shown up and been generous. And, That's dope, and, man. Uh, you know, and it's, like, that thing of, like, I'm still not playing shows where there's a bunch of people there to see me every night. But there's some nights where there's people there to see me, and every night there's someone there to see me. That's it. And you know what I mean? Or there's like four or five people. And yeah. Then it, yeah. And it's like I'm like, oh man, it's starting to kind of click in a way where like I just went on tour for three weeks and paid my band like a livable wage the whole time, paid for all the expenses, and made it home and was like, oh, I made a little bit of money on this. Let's tour. fucking go. It's fucking insane. Yeah. Like, insane. That's it. That's it. You know That's what, what I mean? we're asking for. You know? Yeah. Totally. And uh, um. Yeah, so it's that is that is really cool and like, but it, it's it's been a long process. <laughs> as as it is. You yeah, know. totally. And what you were saying about moving to Chicago. Sorry, sometimes I just talk about myself so it's fucking good, much. Why do you you don't start a podcast unless you want to talk about yourself? Come on, let's like, be real. Or here. talk about like murders. You know, there's like two <laughs> podcasts, like assholes talking about themselves and then murders. And murders yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the um, what you were saying is like. You moved there dealing with certain things in New York or as a certain person, and you moved to Chicago, and now you're back, and you're like, oh, those those things aren't even even like a thing anymore. And like by moving, you kind of forced yourself to grow through certain things. You know, I watch people in my life so often move somewhere, and two months later move back. Yeah, you know, and like, and you got to stay for a year and work through those growing pains, and you will grow as a person, and you will learn about yourself, and you will go through like harder things and more and different things than you've ever been through before and then yeah and, and like now you're looking back you're like oh i'm not even like that person anymore no yeah it's like but, i spent like three years there pretty much um and it's like what moved there turning 25 moved back turning 28 and it's just like i look back at that 25 year old and i was just like you know we figured we figured some shit out yeah you know we figured a couple things out there's still yeah. stuff yeah but it's like that's different stuff, you know. That's that's maybe stuff I learned while while fixing whatever old stuff. I'm just like, oh, this is new stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. I like this stuff. Yeah, and I have a whole different outlook on like life and everything from before. And I'm like, I'm I'm just like personally super grateful that I went to Chicago. Like people ask me all the time, like how was it and stuff. Because like when I left, it wasn't necessarily a pleasant time. Uh, me and my girlfriend were like breaking up and like. And all this stuff. So, obviously, it's like I wasn't like happy when I left. Plus, it was like middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. Knew I wasn't gonna have a job. Like, like besides my like the obvious stuff, there was just like everything is uncertain for everybody. So I'm like, you know, whatever. So a lot of people were like, "Oh, did you come back because like you hated Chicago?" I'm like, "No, I was sad. I had to leave a place that I fucking came to love so much." Yeah. You know, it's like if I was sad, if I was saddest the most about anything when I left was leaving. Yeah. You know, totally when you but now that's you've expanded your reality to the point where now that you have like a whole thing there. You know? Yeah. Like a, a whole network. And a whole yeah. Because it's like I left Chicago, but I'm like, 
I didn't leave Chicago forever. The same way I didn't leave New York. You forever. didn't leave New York. Exactly. You, you know? still were like, I mean, and it's also like we do live in fucking 2022. Wait, what year is it? Uh, it's 2022 now. You, you know, it's like you can get from, you can, like you got to Chicago somehow. You can, get, can back, get back. Yeah. You know, you know? and that's, uh, I don't know. We get stuck in these like mind, like at least myself, and like where your your mind just convinces you like of the absolute, like everything is so binary. Yeah, like, like, and it's not really like that. Like, no, it's life is shades fluid. of gray. It's all yeah. fluid, and it's and it's like, dude, the Bruce Lee quote, "Be water," like is like so true in so many yeah. aspects of just like, you know, just like go with the flow, and like it's it's such a cliche and such a hippie thing, but like, well, because I think that it intrinsically makes people think like, you know, just allow things to happen. And I'm like, no, because you have to take certain charge for things that are going on in your life, but like go with those flows. Even, you know, it's like you're doing a thing. It's hard. Keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And don't, don't resist, um, something for like the sake of resistance, you know, like if, um, or don't create problems that aren't problems. Yeah. I do that so much where I'm like, we all do. We just all yeah. create different problems for ourselves. Totally. And, and then in my head, I'm like, this is a problem. And you're like, wait, how is that a problem? <laughs> you know, you know, uh, there's, uh, there's <coughs> something like, you know, then you can get into the whole, like, uh, I mean, there's like spiritual and whatnot, or like the, the, like doing the work and, and observing your, like being the observer of, of your thoughts and your life and your, you know, like, and being like, like who's like what's really feeling those feelings and why am i and like who's observing me thinking about like being sad you know like and then you start doing those things and you're like none of this shit's even fucking real <laughs> like nothing's real like and then you realize like people just been doing like we were saying earlier like you make your bed and you feel better and people tell you that for years but then you finally do it and you're like yeah you like life has existed for millions of years hundreds of millions of years humans have been around for about 10,000 years you'd think that like you think you're just the first person like i'm not gonna i'm gonna figure out how to live it's like no every like, there's no, other people that have like figured shit out they've like, all been to figuring it out like you're here because of a lot of people not figuring it out yeah you know like to just to, if we're gonna get that level of philosophical and shit but either way it's just like every mistake before led to the world that you get to live in so it's like Someone's telling you make your bed. It's going to make you feel better in the morning. They were told that. And that mm -hmm. person was told that. And that person was told that. Like, they didn't create that idea. <laughs> yeah. And if it was, if it wasn't real or if the like, yeah, as you get older, drinking the hangovers worse or exercising makes you feel better. And even though it sucks in the moment, um, like if that wasn't true, people would have stopped. Like they, they wouldn't tell you that. Yeah. You know, like they just I, wouldn't say but it. like 21 year old me is just like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to drink and fucking party forever. So Hell yeah, I'm brother. I'm going to smoke a million cigarettes <laughs> and I'm going to fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And it's like even now I like I look at, you know, like our friend group, other friend groups of mine, just like all all of the people who I've known for like a number of years, you know, like we've known each other like seven years, like mm -hmm. all people like that. And I'm just like. It's interesting to see, like, I if I was in a party with all of us at 22, it'd be a train wreck. Now I feel yeah. like if there was an outside event and we're all there, it's just like, you know, we'd have our fun. But it, yeah. it'd be like everyone's probably home by 12. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that was the like Robin's birthday the other night. Yeah. I I mean, everybody had fun. I think, you know, some people definitely went for it. I I 
was tripping way harder than I ever intended to that <laughs> night. Uh, but it, I don't know. It's but it was still like didn't feel like out of control like we were saying like 2016. Yeah, well, was, 2016 was like any meetup of any amount of the friend group. It's just like it's going off the rails. It's a guaranteed yeah. thing. Oh yeah. Like if it's tame, we're pushing it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, that was like the beginning of the end of my drinking career. Was oh, it definitely was. It like definitely the first was. time we played Fast and the Furious. That was, was it. Was the beginning, That's the beginning of the, of the end. end. Dude, I saw you the first time you came to Chicago and you're like, yeah, I haven't drank in six months. I've had three cigarettes in the last four days and I'm on shrooms. I'm like, I like this guy. I, yeah. I like what, this guy. What is, the, what is this Chuck? You know, like such a Because it was just something different. And I was like, you know, obviously as your friend for so long, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun in the moment. But me and you both. No, it's like you can't sustain that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially like anyone who's listening um, or any of my friends that like if you if you get really sad when you drink, like pay attention to that. Yeah, seriously. And, like, and pay attention to like when you get sad and don't drink at those times or, or don't drink to deal with things that, you know, what? And it's just like and I'm not telling anyone. To, but for me, it was like life changing. I could fall asleep at night. My anxiety wasn't keeping me up all night. Like, just all kinds of shit. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's... But, dude, you don't deal with being sad by drinking a bucket of sad Yeah, do not do that. I used to do that. It's like, it doesn't help you. You, You're forcing a level of sadness on yourself that doesn't actually exist. And then, after a certain point, you chemically can't do anything about it. You can't tell the difference. Yeah. Like, you're in this dark hole that you think is reality. And it's It's like, no, you're just drunk. All the time. Like, I have a few friends that, like, aren't here anymore, and I think it's because they made a, like, a, like, bad, like, you know, they they decided they didn't want to be here anymore while they were drunk, and sober them wouldn't have made that decision, I don't think, you know, and it's like, fuck, fuck, you know, that's, uh, seriously, yeah, I don't know, that and test your drugs, like, people these days, just test your drugs. I don't want to be the dad. I love like, it, Chuck. I love it. I love I just, who I, you dude, are. People just dying on fucking fentanyl and stuff. It's just fucked. Like, yeah. have fun. Don't let the cops win. You know, like, I I have this theory. Well, Jericho has this theory that I, I agree with, that the cops are putting fentanyl in the drug supply. So, because, like, they're just useless. They don't, cops don't do anything. So they got to create problems. Like, the, the crack, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the crack problem, like, was yeah, the that's CIA. Yeah, that's Wow, wow. You know, it's so crazy that I almost questioned why they would do that. And I'm just like, I know why they would do that. They've done it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, that's obviously, like, insane. This is a conspiracy theory, and I, I don't like have it. any evidence of it. But, like, I mean, what it's like fucking like slc punk when like when heroin bob dies and he's like he's like only posers fucking die like i mean all my friends that have passed rest in peace and like no no shade whatsoever but like all my living friends like let's just try and fucking stay alive don't don't die because of a just a dumb mistake you know yeah it would upset your family yeah and also like don't be a poser (laughs) And only posers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only oh, posers man. die. So we're all posers in the end. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what's uh, what's going on with Analemma these days? As much as you can tell me, or like what's I mean, it been I guess like I don't post twenty twenty two? I don't have to be too secretive. Uh, essentially, we spent the better part of twenty twenty one just like writing an album mm-hmm. uh, that we kind of had been working on while I was away. You know, just like. Uh, the great thing that I appreciate the most about Antonio is 
he doesn't give a fuck what's going on. He's going to keep writing. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just a nonstop machine. And it's not always like, you know, bangers just banging out all the time, but it's like he's always actively working on the music, which I think is great. Um, so they just, like, him and my drummer, like, well, really my drummer wrote, like, half the album by himself. Oh, cool. Which was, like, new. Like, he, he could always play guitar, but I think this was the first time he felt, like, confident enough to be like, you know, my riffs are fire, like, enough for the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, he wrote a ton of, like, what it is. But, like, you know, all the guitarists and everybody worked on all the guitars and shit. And uh, we just, yeah, we have this album that we're working on. We've pretty much recorded most of it. There's a few things left to do. And then it's just mix and master. And we just kind of want to come really aggressively with this album. So we're going to try to like, you know, just get music videos shot and things mm-hmm. like that. So we, we won't just outright release it once it's done. So it might be a little while longer for the album. I think at some point later this year. Um, but it is easily the best thing we've ever done. Hell yeah. Which is the goal. But the thing that I, I think this to myself sometimes when I hear like big bands come out with albums Cause I know there's like contract, like, you know, things like sometimes you just have to put out an album. Yeah. And I often wonder like, you know, did the band care about sounding better or being better? And this is not in a shade way of like, Oh, the album's not good, but it's like, I, I'll hear an album and I'm like, wow, this is phenomenal. Then I'll hear the next album released from the artist. And I'm like, this is as good, but it in no way makes me feel like it's better. And I'm like, at least for me at this level, we're all just like every time we release anything, song, single, album, whatever. But it, obviously, especially on the bigger releases, EPs mm-hmm. and albums, it's like I want it to erase the memory of the old music, which obviously mm-hmm. is like a stupid goal when you say it, but not actually make you hate the old music. But I just want every time we release it, everyone is like, this shit is so fucking good. Like yeah. it makes me forget, <laughs> you know, totally how good the old one is. Cause then you well, go and then, back and then you go back and listen to the old one. And it's like, like oh, no, this, this is, is dope too. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That happened to me with my own music. I, I've been, you know, cause we were working on the new album. I've just been listening to like where we're at recently. Uh-huh. And I'm just like super excited and this and that. I was like, you know what? Let me listen to like the record we came out with secular Eden 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> on Spotify at work one day and I was just like, damn, I wrote this. Yeah. Like I was like really impressed and I was like, all right, we're, we're doing something good here. So cool. that's awesome. Yeah. I love it when I can, cause like sometimes I'm just so close to like something that once it's out, I can be like, I'm proud of it, but I don't know if I, I don't know how I feel about it sometimes. You no, know, like, no, honestly, I, I suffer from that a lot. Um, Tony always tells me, he goes, what's old for you is new for the fans. Yeah. Cause you're working on it, yeah. you know? And I lose sight of that immediately. Like as soon as we're like, this song is done, stamp signed and sealed, we're yeah. ready to record it. It's just like, Oh, this song sucks. It's like, it's old. Like what's the new yeah. thing? And it's like, that's not fair to the actual listener, you know? Totally. And it's like, I don't know if, if anyone who like likes any type of music, but doesn't necessarily do it themselves, um, thinks about that. But I'm like, oftentimes an artist has been with whatever you're hearing for months, maybe, you know, years, years. Yeah, like sometimes. you, you never know, you yeah. know? So it's like, it's nice when you've had something for a long time and it's finally out, but it's way nicer just for me personally. It's like releasing the album is not what does it for me. 
It's playing the songs that I was excited to play a year ago, yeah. finally in front of people, yeah. and like seeing their reactions and response. That yeah. like that is why I do this shit at totally. all. Yeah. That's it. It's just seeing people react, you cool. know. Uh-huh. And the more visceral reaction, like I told you, I'm like, every time I see the stank face, like the, I'm like, yeah. I did something, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, for sure. <laughs> well, and like I said before, some of my favorite albums from certain bands, the first time I heard it, I was like this doesn't sound like what the fuck, what are my, they doing? And then you're like, oh, this is sick, dude. My one of my favorite albums is by my favorite band, The Contortionist, um, their 2017 album Monochrome. The first few listens, I was just like, it's cool. But their other stuff just was like 10 times better to me. Then after a couple months of listening to it, um, my friend broke down like the meaning of the album. So then that next listen, like maybe the album had been out like two or three months. So I'd heard it mm-hmm. a few times. I listened to it knowing like the song breakdown and the meaning. And I just like got the message. I was just like, holy shit. This is like the best album they've ever done. Like it just flipped overnight. Yeah. So it's definitely like that. You know, it's like you're not always ready for what you're hearing yeah totally and uh i mean in some hopefully bands and artists you know don't just make the same thing over and over again i try very hard not to i try not to but also sometimes i'm just like i don't know i just feel like i'm just rewriting the same song over and over again (laughs) (laughs) oh man that would be a painful feeling yeah i mean i think it's just like I'm just kind of I'm going through a lot of like old ideas right now. Like I'm writing a record with the band um, that's like totally democratic and like collaborative, not Uh like me. And then I've got like I'm working on like a just my record that's like I'm coming through a bunch of old ideas and like songs. I'm like this song, there's something there, but like I can never. I've just got like thirty of those, so I'm kind of just trying to be like, what can I I do with song babies? Yeah, that are like a seed, and it's like yeah. I might be a chorus or a verse and a chorus or something that you're like, this is really good. I just don't know what it is. That's even um, there's one song in particular on this record that me and the drummer wrote. We tried to do a side project like 2016, right before I left, or like the year before I actually left New York. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I don't. I don't there's no particular reason why we didn't like take it seriously, but we wrote one song in completion and we always thought the song was cool and we just held it. We just had it. Um, and when it came time to like start actually putting like, you know, song ideas together and like trying to finalize like, all right, what's, what are we going to work on to make into a real song to like put on the record? Mm-hmm. Um, that song came up from our new guitarist whose also name is Rob. We, we love Rob's. Rob, yeah. We love Rob's, Good you people. know? Yeah. Um, and he saw that song and was like, yo, this song is one of the hardest things y'all ever wrote. And we're all like, really? Like, we like it. But it's like, we never took it seriously. It's just like, it's just a cool thing we did. Uh-huh. And it's like, nah, bro. If y'all, What don't y'all like about it? Because I'm going to make it work. So he took it, cut out all the shit that we were just like, oh, you know, it doesn't need this. Mm-hmm. Kind of reworked the whole song. And it's like, one of my favorite songs now. And I'm just Hell like, yeah. I didn't dislike it. But now I like fucking love That's it. Why collaborating is also rad. <laughs> Having someone else come in and be like, now, this is really cool, but like having a different perspective and just filling that in, I'm really digging that about writing with a band again. Yeah. Being like, I got this idea, it's a thing, but I don't. I don't know my, what to do with it. And also, like, I just smoke so much weed that sometimes I can't just pay attention long enough to like keep writing the song. Yeah. And, you know, because it's like, once again, it's old and 
um, yeah, and then you're just not excited about it. But yep. then you bring it to someone else, and like, oh, and they're cool. super jazzed on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that energy is like a lot of it. No, I love that. Um, I think uh, we're you know, we've almost we've almost gone two hours. Oh, let's uh, go, Chuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a normal conversation for me and you. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, and that's what I love about the podcast is like I get to have these conversations with my buds, but also with like sometimes people I don't even really know and yeah. just like get into it about some stuff. And so uh, um, I want to just, before we end, want to ask you, uh, what's your best advice for working in a creative partnership with other people? Um, be open to every idea. Learn how to say what you mean. As far as if you like the song, why do you like it? But more importantly, for if you don't like something, um, you really need to learn how to communicate differences with people, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's a creative process. So there's some level of personal feeling towards everything that is ever brought to you, mm-hmm. whether you're bringing lyrics, someone else is bringing a guitar riff, someone else is bringing lyrics, whatever it is. So if you don't like something, I say my first advice. If your knee-jerk reaction is you don't like it, it's more important that you sit with it and decide if you actually don't like it or if you don't understand it. Ask the person, you know, mm-hmm. just more information about it. Try to try to see their point of view because yeah. otherwise you're not going to understand what they were trying to display. Yeah. It's also important to be able to explain your point of view properly. You yeah. know? So on both ends of that spectrum, I think the most important thing is just like every goddamn relationship communication yeah. is key it really is it really it, is like it sucks but that's just always the answer <laughs> i just talk it out and like that's i mean and we're not taught to how to talk about like our feelings or how to be vulnerable especially as dudes you're not and like making music with someone is a very vulnerable place to be yeah so like learning how to and that's a skill that i'm still working on and i'm really bad at because i never really learned how to communicate about things that are hard to communicate about yeah and then but then you start to realize like i think i read this in a Brene brown book but like the awkward like shitty feeling of talking about something uncomfortable usually lasts about 30 seconds yes you know you bring it up and then you feel shitty and weird and uncomfortable for 30 seconds and then you like deal with this thing that's been bugging you and probably the other person you're there thinking about it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's I don't know, but it's not something that you just like taught those skills. You're not taught to do. You know, that and at some all. people may have been, but like my like passive aggressiveness and and just like letting things go until you just blow the fuck up. That's yeah. like how we communicated in my house. Yeah. And uh and no shade to anyone in my house, but like I'm not trying to live that way anymore. And it's hard to unlearn shit like that. It really is cuz I mean, same for me and it's like, you know, Dealing dealing with that in like a band relationship or just like a real romantic relationship, it's like that shit will make or break the success of totally. what you're whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever the partnership is, whoever it is, what you know, business or whatever, how you communicate is gonna determine how it moves forward. Yeah. And some things just don't work. Like that's an important thing. Yeah, to that's realize. fine too. Some things just don't work. And the the sunk cost fallacy is like like just because you've got three years in this relationship with this person, if it doesn't work, it doesn't fucking work. Yeah. But I can look back on a handful of things that were like, especially romantic relationships that fell apart and that w- would have worked 
had we been able to communicate about some tough things. Yeah. But neither of us could, and so it just, like, got ugly. Yeah, and then it just blows up, yeah. and everybody's mad. Everybody's you know? mad or, like, fucking doing weird, shady shit behind each other's back <laughs> because they can't talk about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But uh, And you don't want to be in that position. And everyone no. will probably end up there at some point. Yeah, but getting good at just bringing up the topic of whatever is uncomfortable or being, like, telling your bandmate... I don't know if I'm like crazy about that, but like, let's figure out, like, let's, let's get there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. This has been fucking awesome. Yeah. Man, I, thanks for I having mean, me. Obviously I always just love sitting down and chatting with you, but we don't do this that often these days. Yeah. Not anymore. So this um, is really, this is really cathartic for me. <laughs> yeah. Same. I, sometimes I'm like stressed about the podcast cause it's just like kind of a passion project. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes like, oh, fuck, I got to record this podcast, blah, blah, blah. And then every time, every single time I'm done with it, it's like the gym. Every time I'm done with it, I'm like, I'm so glad I did yeah, that. Yeah, dude. That was great. I'm so, telling you. Anyone listening, keep, if you, if you do listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, let me know because that encouragement will make it that much easier for me to show up and like make the things. Yeah. So. No, but, this is sick. You guys should uh, definitely check out Chuck. Yeah, and where can you find? Where can everyone find you online? Your band. Um, if you have any interest in following me, uh, I have a meme Facebook uh, Instagram account. It's a uh, I just share bullshit on my stories, and sometimes I post myself when I'm cute. It's Beverage Official. I am officially every beverage. Uh, you can <laughs> find the band at analemma.nyc. A n l m a dot nyc. That's Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at analemma. A n l m a um and we're on iTunes and Spotify, same spelling, A N L M A, Analema N Y C. And we got a you know some cool banger music out there if you're into prog or whatever. So check us out. Oh yeah, check them out. And uh thanks so much, Seku. This is yeah, fucking man. rad. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me, dude. <laughs> One time I was drunk on a morning show in Montana. The host asked me if I had a nickname Said my friends call me the Dirtbag King She said on the air I started giggling Hasn't had me back but now I've got this podcast Welcome to my podcast